Check this out. On the weekend, Ufa. take a journey with the people's mayor. Curtis Lewa is a politician who says don't trust politicians. It's another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa. The iconic, the legendary Curtis Lewa. This city doesn't sleep, and neither does Curtis Lewa on another side of midnight. Oh, yeah. Now, to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC, here's Curtis Lewa. Generals gathered in their masses, just like witches at black masses. Evil minds that plot destruction, sorcerer of death's construction. In the fields of bodies burning. Machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Poisoning their brainwashed minds Oh, Lord, yeah. Osborne, Black Sabbath, War Pigs. And as you know, unlike anybody else here at WABC, I play this song every time there is a story or a series of stories that impact our national security and global security. And boy, we got a humdinger in this one. What the hell does humdinger mean? I don't know when's the last time I heard that uh, phrase, humdinger. If anybody happens to know what that phrase is, please, you got to uh, educate me on this. I mean, I've heard that term years and years ago. What a humdinger that is, right? I don't know if I ever heard Phil Rizzuto refer to a near home run in Yankee Stadium as a humdinger. As it turned out, it was the infield fly rule, and uh, Phil Rizzuto would say, Holy cow, I thought that was out of here. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Because it's been so hot, unseasonably hot, 
90 degrees in two days, and yet tomorrow the temperatures will drop 25 degrees. Oh, and my wife, uh, Nancy, she's been schwitzing, overheating. She can't deal with the heat. Obviously, the critters, the cats, so some of them love it. Some of them don't like it. Whiskers uh, has just brought six kittens into the world that my uh, wife, Nancy, has been... uh, Nurse mating along with uh, Whiskers herself, sort of like the midwife, Nancy is the midwife to the six kittens. And Whiskers was a cat rescued from animal care and control who would have been destroyed because she wasn't uh, at all being requested by anybody to adopt or to force her out. So she would have been like hundreds and hundreds of other cats and dogs and other animals who get destroyed I don't know why we allow our monies uh, to be used to destroy animals who all they need is a home of their own. And now, because of uh, Nancy and other people just like Nancy's kindness, uh, Whiskers, the mother, and the six kittens will have a home of their own. And then eventually Nancy will uh, socialize, uh, make sure all their medical needs are met. And then adopt them out and force, uh, force them out. But meantime, notice not one caller here. Who has any idea, Avery, you tra- you traitor. Oh, I caught you, you you cheater. With uh, James Golden, we'll cold bust you later on in the show. Bo Snurley, oh, oh, all of a sudden, Bo, Bo's liking Avery, and Avery's liking Bo. Huh? Cheating on me, huh? Our number is 1-800-848-9222. What is everybody stung out out there? Does anybody know what the term humdinger means? one 800 848 WABC, even Broadway Bobbly, unknown from WCBS-FM. He's been there 44 years with his uh, very dear friend Joe Carsey. Came back uh, out of retirement. He was living down in Lee County. We're going to be talking about the exodus continues into Florida later on. DeSantis Land, Freedom Land, down in Lee County, Fort Myers, where that's right, Broadway, Bill Lee has his condo side-by-side with Warner Wolf. And I got to tell you, for years, they were the shuffleboard champions down there in retirement. But I guess you got tired of the Canadians outdoing you, Broadway Billy and uh, Warner Wolf, and you decided to come. Yeah, let's go to the videotape. Oh, I remember when uh, Warner Wolf, I forget what he was on. It wasn't Channel 5. I think it was Channel 2. And he was doing the sports report. He was reading the teleprompter, and his teeth came flying out as false choppers. Uh, you, oh, you don't want to remember that, oh, do you, Broadway Billy? Well, any moment, my front tooth is going to come flying out. This has happened before, but I can feel it quivering. It's shaking. It's like ready to pop right out of my mouth, and the pain will be excruciating. I mean, the little baby, Sid Rosenberg, was crying, oh, my crown came off, oh, the pain was intense. Man, let me tell you something. When I lose this front, this cap, and I should eventually get an implant because this happens uh, every few months. Oh, the pain. I would rather be... Oh, very good. You got the right one, uh, Broadway, Billy. You brought your uh, your A-game uh, this morning. Uh, but the pain is the equivalent of if you were being waterboarded at Gitmo by Darth Vader. Dick Cheney, weapons of mass destruction. Weapons of mass destruction. Not... Yeah, yeah, Dick Cheney. What a fraud. What a real fraud he is. Why anybody would even 
want to interview this guy is beyond me. But then again, like so many politicians will be talking about tonight, Democrats and Republicans, you can't trust them. You can't trust government agencies. It needs to be the reversal of what Ronald Reagan said when he was president. Remember, he said truth, trust, and then verify. I say it's in reverse osmosis. You verify, and then you trust. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. So here it is, 13 years later, and we have another geeky leaker. What do I mean by that, a geeky leaker? You remember, what was it, Private Bradley Manning, who became Chelsea Manning? Some of these circumstances are quite similar. So now, this 21-year-old National Guard airman, who you got to scratch your head and say, what the hell was he being given security clearance to suddenly have access to some, like, really important documents that affect the military, affect our intelligence, affect what we found out again is that we spend more time spying on our allies and our allies spend more time spying on us than collectively we do spying on the enemy. But China, Russia, Iran, Iran, you know, you could add a whole bunch more. But again, we end up spending more time spying on our allies, and they end up spending more time spying on us. Sort of reminds me, one of the great graphic designers of Mad Magazine, What Me Worry, remember? Alfred E. Newman, we grew up with that in the 60s, with that uh, fly flying around his head on the magazine cover. Remember the great uh, insert that you would see from time to time, almost on every page, down at the bottom, spy versus spy, the white spy versus the black spy. Remember? This is exactly what it's turned out to be. And immediately everyone's puffing their chest and they're saying, oh, wait a second, who is this uh, 21-year-old guy who comes from a military family, dead set on joining some branch of the military, even as a child growing up? His fascination with the armed forces of the United States led him to follow his stepfather into the Air National Guard's 102nd Intelligence Wing, where he was soon given top-secret security clearance as a computer network technician, which would have allowed him to leak highly classified materials. Now you say to yourself, why? Why? You know, that was exactly the same thing, Private Bradley slash Chelsea Manning 13 years ago. A lot of people don't realize. Now, what do I call Bradley slash Chelsea? He, she, they, you know, because we paid for Private Bradley Manning's transition when uh, he, she, they were housed in Leavenworth a number of years, found guilty of espionage. That's right, espionage. Although... It's interesting, the military tribunal acquitted her of aiding the enemy. And as you know, Barack Obama cut her loose. She ran in a primary for the Democratic uh, nomination uh, for the Senate seat, U.S. Senate seat in Maryland. But it's an interesting story because Private Bradley slash Chelsea Manning's father was also a member of the Intelligence Division of the U.S. Navy, right? Some certain similarities. I have no idea if this uh, geeky uh, guy here in Massachusetts, Jack Teixeira, 
There wasn't the New York Yankee uh, first baseman in a while, uh, for a while there from uh, Texas Rangers, right? Teixeira, right? You don't think anybody, nobody is asked if there's any relationship here to Teixeira, who used to hit bombs for the Yankees and then retired, ladies and gentlemen. Why am I thinking baseball? Oh, we're going to talk about it later. Uh, you know, with this whole uh, mishigash about Bud Light. And how because games are shortened now, because uh, Major League Baseball has taken certain provisions to make sure that it is not war and peace, that the ball game actually ends within nine minutes. Uh, innings. They're trying to feed you more brewskis in less time so that you're having to bag drunk when you're driving home. We'll get into all of that. Our number is one 800 But it was interesting to hear... All these elected officials, Democrats and Republicans, who are saying, oh, he should have come to us. This Teixeira guy could have come to us and in closed session. He could have conveyed to us information that he had purloined uh, from his job as an Intel member. An Intel member of the National Guard. Hard to say that. The National Guard, Air Wing uh, of Massachusetts. Uh, a real Mama Luke like Frank Morano, who was living, I think, in the basement of his mother's house. I think it was in Providence, Rhode Island. I'm not quite sure. In his stepfather's home, who was the former intelligence uh, guy in the United States military for many, many years. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Let's get right to it. To Ed, calling from St. James. Ed, you seem to know what the definition of humdinger is. Hello, sir. Uh, 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 thank you for taking my call. Um, there's two distinct definitions, and the first one comes out of um, like a circus atmosphere, you know, and just like a, a menial thing, like the, the guy swinging the hammer at the, the, the to get the, the weight of the bell to, to ring, you know, strongman competition. But the other one, the secondary, which is the most intelligent one, comes from, especially now you're talking about intelligence and stuff. Comes out of the electronic world, and I'm 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 surprised your 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 staff, your eclectic staff, excuse me for that, don't know that this it's made uh, this device made to cut out a loop to to bring out this this humming sound like a reverberation, and uh, you know going through all the schooling that they have to be your, your wait a second, what the hell are you talking about, Ed? Yeah, uh, uh, wait, I, I, I want to defend Broadway Billy. He is a proud graduate of the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. He went to Bridgeport, Connecticut, then to Hartford, then to South Norwalk. I mean, he spent time learning his trade. He never heard anything like that, yeah. Humdinger. I well, thought, wait a second, hold on, Ed. Chill out, man, chill out, because yeah. you're talking like uh, you were just reading it in Popular Mechanics. You know what I think, Broadway Billy, Humdinger... Avery is a psychosexual term that involves one being orally fixated. Why do I feel that, right? Well, maybe I'm a sickle, right? A sickola. What the hell is Ed talking about? And by the way, anybody who ever took that, uh, what um, uh, would look like a sledgehammer, you know, when you go to the festival, you go to the fair, you go to the old Coney Island and you swing that hammer down, and it drives up, uh, I guess what you would call a, a, um, 
escalating prod to try to hit the bell. You know that that game is rigged. You know that game is rigged. Uh, I mean, I've seen the strongest of the strong guys hit that, and then all of a sudden it goes nowhere. And then all of a sudden the carny, because the carnies fix everything. They're like the traveling roadshow with these affairs. Then they they adjust something in the back, and some little skinny bellini comes up and swings that hammer like they're Thor, and all of a sudden, ring, 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 ring. Ain't no way, man. Are you talking about a well before? I don't know. I don't know how you went to the carnival thing, but you talking about a Hummer? No, a humdinger. Yeah, well, the, the the sexual thing is the Hummer. The Hummer. No, 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 no. Wait a second. I didn't talk about a Humvee. I talked about a humdinger. All right. I don't want to get into like a who's on first. Well, let's face it. If you're riding around <laughs> in a Humvee, uh, you're going to be picking up a lot of uh, femme fatales, and you might get lucky, right? The bigger the car, the more expensive the car, the more it is a gas guzzler, which is so symptomatic of what Americans want. Burn that fossil fuel with a Hummer. <laughs> oh, wait, no, no. That's a Humvee, right? I'm very confused now. Yeah, and a humdinger. Yeah, that, that word Hummer got a lot of meanings, man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hey, I'm going to fix your. <laughs> I'm going to fix you later on. <laughs> You cheated on me with James man. Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly. That's all in your head, man. Oh, man, I'm going to be cold <laughs> busting you. Nobody hey. wants to go to sleep. Hey. Nobody wants to go to sleep. Hey, Broadway Billy, you're unaware of this. But my man Avery here cheating on us, man. Snacking on the Bo Snurdly show, man. All of a sudden, he's like, yeah, him and Diego, right? Yeah, we homies. You know, it's like Cheech and Chong with James Golden. Cheater. Diego wasn't even here, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> whatever traitor was there, whatever Judas. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. It's another side of midnight. Now, to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC, here's Curtis Lewa. Yeah, let's face it, it's a uh, geeky leaker, right? Back-to-back, belly-to-belly, uh, private uh, Chelsea Manning reporting for duty 2010, and now this geeky leaker from Massachusetts. Man, it ain't no James Bond here, right? <laughs> what happened? I mean, how many times do you watch James Bond from Russia with love, right? Beware of Natasha. Dr. No Goldfinger Thunderball, you only live twice. Well, for me, I'm like a cat with nine lives. I've used eight of them. Live and let die. There's so many other James Bond movies. I was never really a a James Bond kind of guy. You're almost forced to watch it because of the drop-dead gals in it. There's that. Nah, enough. I don't want to hear this James Bond music. Come on, man. How does it apply to the geeky leakers, right? I mean, I don't think of James Bond when I think of private reporting for duty, Bradley slash Chelsea Manning. Nor of this guy, Teixeira, and nobody has yet told me if he was related to the former first baseman of the New York Yankees who came over from the Texas Rangers and was going to, like, tear the walls down, and then all of a sudden, like everyone else, he pulled a trap or something. Like, what is it? 
I hate ball players never. You see, that's what you get from lifting weights. You know, the coach used to tell us, don't lift weights. You're going to play baseball. No, you get too, you become a muscle head. You're going to start pulling muscles. Uh, no, don't, uh, don't lift weights. And then all of a sudden, guys weren't lifting weights. They were shooting roids, right? Hey, <laughs> Rod. Oh, I never did. A-Rod said, I never did. Let's see, who defended him? Oh, Takabina, right? This is racist against Hispanic Americans, proving he is a liar for hire, like all lawyers. Speak out of both sides of their mouth. Then they lose the case. On to the next case. Let me see what lies I can whip up now. What did they teach me in law school? To speak out of both sides of my mouth. The more you do it, the better you do it, the more money you take. Uh, you make, and who the hell cares, right? Oh, every man, every woman is entitled to a good legal defense. Really? <laughs> Tell that to the mutts and skells when they're in court. Eh, we got no legal aid lawyers now. Just cop a plea, man. Just, just take it. Who's that guy looking at 70 years down in Texas? What a difference. What a difference. I think he spit in the sheriff's face or whatever. He gave him a hard time. Okay, you give him some time. But I think they they added it to other sentences. The guy's doing 70 years. Texas was spitting in the cop, the sheriff's face. Meantime, here in New York City, you know, the socialists, um, those who want to uh, destroy the police and destroy the prisons, AOC, all-out crazy, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, leader of the Socialists of America, they would actually give that person a medal. They would say, oh, uh, good. Did you get him right in the face? Good. Uh, we're going to give you an award. Our number is one 9222 Boy, this really has a lot of people stymied when I started the show by asking them um, the meaning of humdinger, which I used to hear all the time many, many years ago when Cousin Brucey was spinning stacks of wax, top 40 at WABC, which was the All-Americans, which I never listened to, I got to tell you. I listen to WMCA, the good guys. I listen to WINS, uh, the swinging soiree. Oh, yeah. The guy who actually brought the Beatles over. I got eight. I cannot lie, like George Washington, right? I told many lies in my lifetime, but on this one, Murray the K and the swinging soiree, I can't. And I listen to WWRL, the great R&B. I did not listen to WABC. Sorry. Everybody else, oh, I remember. No, they didn't. No, they didn't. They're here. They work at WABC. So they figured, let me read up on it and tell you all the people I used to. You weren't even birthed yet. How the hell were you listening to WABC when they were spinning stacks of wax? Don't lie. Anyway, speaking of music conflating into subject matter, let's go to Frankie in Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here at WABC. Frankie. Yeah, Curtis. Uh, that song, uh, Humdinger, it means like, uh, no, she's something else. She's a. Uh, a, a hot look a chick or whatever. In 1960, 1960, Freddie Cannon, who uh, sang Palisades Park, he made a song called Humdinger, and it was uh, made the charts on uh, 1960, and it was a great song. Now, hold on you a know? second. Palisades Park swings all day and after dark, and as uh, Vinnie Madunio, the prince of Staten Island, had to learn, the schmuck that he was, he thought that Palisades Park was actually in Palisades Park, New Jersey. On the other yeah. side of uh, Washington Heights, I had to break it to him. Hey, hey, Vinny, it was in Cliffside Park, and most of it was in Fort Lee, right where Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, lives in apartment 22H. Yeah. Well, anyway, that song, uh, Freddie Cannon made a song called Humdinger. 
Hmm. And she's a hum, hum, dinger personality, sweet. Her knocks you right off your feet. Oh, she's a hum, dinger like that. She's a hum, dinger, witty, ditty, California city, kitty, swell of a bell of a girl. Then that's always a hit record. 1960. If you were to get a Lexus and say, hey, play Hum Dinger by Freddie Can, you'll hear it later or whatever. All right, let me tell you something, Frankie. Frankie, uh, Frankie why don't you save it for the shower stall? God, it's going to chase away my audience. <laughs> Guys, I tone deaf. Even Avery there was shaking his head like, man, that white boy does not have rhythm, right? They say, I know what you were saying there, Avery. You know, I could read your black mind there. You were saying, man, that white man does not have any rhythm, right? You would not have him in the chorus on Sundays at your church, would you? That wasn't like a rhythm thing. That was more of a tonal thing. Oh, was, oh, oh, I see. Yeah, I see. You don't need rhythm to say. Although I got to acknowledge <laughs> the Dominic Carter who was on uh, Monday through Fridays from 12 to 1, he tries to sing and hum along at times. And I'm telling you, man, you know, he may be black in skin content, melanin, but if you didn't know who Dominic Carter was and you didn't know who I was and you just listened to the two of us, you would swear that that guy Curtis was the black guy and that Dominic was the white guy. And when he sings, oh, my God, is he so off tune. Admit it. You got to put that black man down because he can. He's got no sway. He can't sing. Uh, you know, he's like Al Gore used to be when he was campaigning for the presidency. He'd go into a black Baptist church and he'd be all out of rhythm. He tried to be talking like a black man. It just didn't work. What's up with Dominic? I mean, he's got all the attributes of a Euro Asiatic black man, but he don't sound like one. I sound more like a black man than he does. You have to admit that, Broadway Billy. Come on. If people were blindfolded and you said to them, you know, you brought him in from Uruguay, right, or Paraguay in South America, and they had never heard of Dominic Carter, never heard of Curtis Evans, pick out the Moreno, right? You know who they'd be picking, Curtis, Curtis Sliwa, and not Dominic Carter. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Hmm. Let's go to Ed, who's calling from Staten Island. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Ed. If you, have, if you want to understand humdinger, you got to look at the word hussy first. Hussy is a woman who steals another woman's husband. Hmm. And then they say, oh, he must have been a real humdinger. Wow, so you mean like a homewrecker? No, 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 no. Like he had it going on. Like he was a, he was a good dancer. He was tall. He was handsome. You know, he could tell a joke. Maybe he was funny, you know. Oh, so he's the kind of guy you would be at, like, uh, let's say, a, a wedding or a gathering, and he would cut in on you, on your wife, and then try to dance with her, right? Yeah, 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 because he had it going on, you know. Yeah, you know you know where that happened, Ed? And uh, I was reminded of it uh, just the other day. Frank Morano got married. Nobody ever thought that Frank Morano, that Mama Luke, would ever get married because nobody could ever equal his mom. You know, she would iron his uh, BBDs, fruit of the loom, you know, make his bed. Typical Italian-Americans, they want to live with mommy until the day they die, you know, right in the basement. And finally he met Rachel and he got married and he invited me to come to the wedding. 
He did not ask me to be his best man, which I said, what? You, you, tell, you tell the world that because of me, you're a talk show host now, and I'm not your best man. And then he sits me next to the Gottis and Gambino, John Gotti Jr., who tried to have me whacked. And then this guy, John Gotti Jr., goes up to Frank and says, hey, you don't mind? I want to cut in on Curtis and his wife, Nancy, and I want to dance with her. Could you believe that? And Frank was going to say it was okay. I want to talk about Tuna, your your cat. Oh, Tuna. Well, well. I was so touched by the way you talked about her the other night. I got to tell you, when I first started listening to you and your wife talk about the Animal Rescue Hour, I was bored. But then I really started listening, and then I understood. Well, thank you. And in fact, uh, to all of those who may not know what Ed is talking about, uh, Nancy did a video tribute to uh, Tuna, who was our AARP cat, our Russian blue cat, neurologically damaged. She rescued him uh, on her birthday from the shelter. He was slated to be destroyed, euthanized. They said, he, he, he just can't function. And Nancy said, no, 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 I'll, I'll get him back. I'll get him back. She worked morning, noon, and night with uh, Tuna. Uh, he was in my first campaign commercial uh, when I was running against Eric Adams for mayor, and he stole the show. And uh, the reason that we use tuna in that commercial is one of the main themes of my campaign was no kill shelters, no kill shelters for these animals. Not unless they absolutely have to be put down because you have no choice. They're in such pain or the cancer has ravaged them. You, you don't want to see them suffer. But other than that, they should be given an opportunity to live a good life, be forced it out, adopted out, and provided far more space than we do in the crowded shelter systems where typically a dog or cat will be surrendered or another animal. And if they weren't sick, they'll end up getting sick. It's like a human being going into a hospital. The doctor says, hey, as quick as you can, get the hell out of this hospital because whatever you didn't have coming in, you probably have that's going to uh, catch while you're in the hospital that's going to keep you here. Same thing, the shelter systems. All these dogs and cats and other animals, they all end up getting viruses and sick. It's an inhospitable place to be. But boy, when we lost Tuna, who continued to struggle against all odds, she, were, she would constantly fall down. Uh, she needed, like, medic alert. She was so old. Uh, she was falling. She couldn't get up. She would struggle up. And uh, my wife was with her every step of the way. And uh, we sat there shiver for eight days, no hamantashen. But even though it's eight days, we, we still miss Tuna. I used to call her my AARP cat. Oh, she was the best. And if you want to see a long tribute to Tuna, you go exclusively uh, to the YouTube channel of WABC Radio. And you type in Red Apple Media, and you will see now eight, eight episodes of the Animal Welfare Half Hour in video form. And you'll see the tribute uh, that my uh, wife Nancy put together with the uh, staff here. Uh, that is amazing. It's a half hour, and it's all about Tuna, all about her struggles, and it is so reflective of what is happening with so many other animals in the animal control and shelter systems or those who are abused uh, domestically or abused when they're living outdoors. Yeah, I, I, it's, I highly recommend it. 
It's really good. And watch the other episodes and share it with others uh, as well as listen, as Ed has said. He listened initially to the Animal Welfare Hour from 11 to 12. Uh, It's the last program that I do for the week, but it's the one that gets the most calls, has the most interest, has the most traffic. And you could go to WABCRadio.com and you can listen to a year's full of animal welfare shows about all different kind of animal issues. And we're always available to all of you out there, as Nancy constantly reminds you at the end of the program, if you go to GuardianAngels.org, that's GuardianAngels.org, and you hit the tab, Guardian Angel Animal Protection Division, that's the group that she leads, you can see all the great work that she and the other Guardian Angel volunteers do for the animals that we believe uh, are people. We treat them just like people. We treat them just like family members. A lot of people claim we're kukulamungas, that we have all the furniture upstairs and rearranged in the wrong rooms. They laugh at us. So, no, no, no. It's just like Mahatma Gandhi said. A society that does not treat its animals well will not treat its people well. Look, on any given day, go out in the streets and the subways now, right? Look at all the homeless people. Look at all the emotionally disturbed people. We'll be talking about the emotionally disturbed later and how much, uh, how many problems, uh, how many crisis situations they're getting in impacting on victims and sometimes themselves and it's not getting any better, ladies and gentlemen. It's not getting any better in the subways, the streets, the parks of New York City and in other major metropolitan areas around the country. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. With crime running rampant in New York, you need to keep yourself and your family safe. Obtaining your concealed carry firearm licenses can be difficult and time-consuming. That's where MyFirstPistol.com comes in. They'll help you secure your concealed carry license. If you're looking for a pistol, premise, rifle, or shotgun license, call 347-559-7052. 347-559-7052. You must have a valid firearm license issued by the NYPD to purchase, possess, or shoot a handgun or pistol in NYC. This is another Side of Midnight with Curtis Lewa. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa. Oh yeah, let me tell you this geeky leaker Teixeira. I don't know if he had any relationship to the former Yankee Teixeira, but sort of reminds me of Private Bradley. No, I'm going to change my mind and become Chelsea Manning at taxpayer's expense in Leavenworth since I was doing time for espionage, having downloaded 750,000 classified documents. We'll get into that throughout the rest of the show. But remember, this is the theme song we grew up with, Man from Uncle. When there was an attempt at detente. There was Napoleon Solo. If I remember correctly, he was with the CIA criminals in action. And then there was Ilya Kuryakin. Remember, he was uh, he was Vladimir Putin. He was the KGB guy. I think he was David McCallum, uh, Robert Vaughn, right? And... I never quite understood what did uh, man from uncle, what did the acronym uncle stand for? U-N-C-L-E. What did that acronym stand for? Because it gave you the impression that during the Cold War, 
that the CIA could actually work together with the KGB when it was of mutual interest. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Please, I need to know what the acronym for UNCLE meant. Not uncle, you know, when somebody slams you uh, to the canvas in a wrestling match and you go, uncle, uncle. No, 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 no. Man from uncle. Uncle uh, had U period, N period, C period, L period, uh, E, right? Am I right? What the hell did it mean? 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. I think it was on for only four years. Think about 64 to 68, because the whole concept of the KGB working together for the CIA for the mutual benefit of both countries during the Cold War, going after international fiends and foes, I don't think anybody bought it after a while. Hey, Robert Vaughn was good as Napoleon Solo. David McCallum was uh, great as Ilya Kuryakin. But, nah. Oh, by the way, yeah, we're doing a whole bit on Vladimir Putin later because according to the CIA criminals in action, he was dying. Remember, he had Parkinson's disease. He had brain cancer. He had blood cancer. He was shaking like a leaf. He was all bloated. He's going to die any day. Not. Has the CIA ever been correct on anything, right? I mean, think about it. They are pigs. They were wrong. Hmm. Weapons of mass destruction in Iraq. They were wrong. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh. it'll take uh, at least a year before the Taliban get to Kabul and Afghanistan. They were hopelessly wrong. Have they ever been right? I mean, seriously. What in the hell is the CIA that has an open checkbook? There are no controls. There are rogue agency. When the hell has their information ever been correct? And if you read through the geeky leak stuff of this 21-year-old Air National Guard guy who had access to all of this sensitive information, like, hello out there. What is this guy having access to this info for? A CIA, once again, not looking too good. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to George in Queens. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, George. UNCLE stands for United Nations Corps of Law Enforcement. That's what the acronym is. All right, so repeat that one more time, George. UNCLE, the acronym stands for... United Nations Corps of Law Enforcement. You're close. You're so close. But I got to tell you, George, you're on the cusp. But it's like when the CIA convinces you to come behind closed doors for a congressional hearing. Don't worry about it, George. You just let these congressmen, congresswomen, Republican and Democrats know what's going on. And we'll make sure that we keep you in a safe house. And because of that answer, George, you end up getting pushed into a meat grinder and turned into chopped meat. Or you're ready to go give testimony in the CIA. You know, they have agents uh, making sure you're safe and secure before you go behind closed doors to testify. And all of a sudden, you were putting on your tie in the basement of your apartment uh, 
and you're ready to go to testify, and they find you hanging from a pipe by your tie. No, 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 no. Do not trust the CIA. Do not trust the House or the Senate when they say, no, 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 come. You can testify behind closed doors. We will protect your anonymity. Yeah? No way. No way. By the way, uh, George was close with uncle. That was close. But it's not United Nations. Uh, it's something else. He's close. But no cigar, cigarette, or tipperillo. But we will not give him... Um, we will not put him up against the wall before a firing squad of 12 with one person uh, not having a bullet in their rifle. You know the routine, then. Would you like uh, us to put a blindfold around you? And a man's man says, no, go ahead, shoot me right in the head. And then others, they cry like little mamelukes, right? <laughs> what can I do? What can I do? Anyway, let's go to, uh, who is this, Soon uh, in New Jersey? Yes. Uh, what is your name, yes. sir? Yes. Yeah, what, yes. is your, what is your name? My name is Sun, T as in Tom, S-U-N. What kind of name is that, Sun? It is a Chinese name. Oh, now you got to be very careful here now because, you know, <laughs> we keep being told by the CIA that you're the enemy. In fact, out of these documents that these geeky leaker uh, released to the world, apparently the Chinese had four, count them, four balloons floating over the United States. <laughs> Well, my entire family is anti-communist. Thank God. Thank God. And you, uh, cross your heart and hope to die, you are not a red Chinese agent. Is that correct, Soon? Absolutely not. I am pro-American. All right, all right. Down with the music here, Broadway Billy. Apparently, Soon knows what the acronym uh, of UNCLE means. Is that correct, Soon? That is correct. What does it mean? United Network Command for Law Enforcement. Damn, you see, the Chinese are always smarter than the rest of us. I'm telling you, that's why you guys do so well academically. It used to be the Jews, you know, the Jews would get all the best marks. Now it's Asians, especially Chinese. I asked a simple question. Look at all these non-Chinese up here. There's not any of them that have a drop of Asian blood in them. Although some of them are Jews and they go to Chinese restaurants on Sunday night. But you soon, you nailed it. <laughs> I, I was also a card-carrying member of Uncle when I was in high school at Stuyvesant. Oh, see? A brainiac. Now, did you go to the old Stuyvesant on 15th Street uh, near 3rd yes. Avenue? Oh, yes. oh, wow. 15th Street and 1st Avenue. Oh, I'm sorry. 15th and 1st. And by the way, you notice how now soon they're moving to try to cap the number of Asians and Chinese that go to Stuyvesant or Bronx High School of Science. They're saying there are too many of you doing too well. We got to put a cap on you. Well, I think that's a shame. It is because how else would we have ever solved this dilemma of what UNCLE meant? It took the Asian guy, the Chinese guy, the graduate, Stuyvesant, Brainiac. They're doing so well. In fact, 
you know, the Department of Education of the city of New York, they replaced the Board of Education. Remember, Michael, Baricic, Rudy Giuliani said, hey, we should blow up 110 Livingston Street. And we should have. It was a disaster. So what did they do? They created an even worse disaster called the DOE, which stands for Dumbest Organization Ever. Many of its members, members of the UFT, Union of Failed Teachers, answerable previously to Randy Weingarten, Randy the Weingarten, who because of the Peter Principle got kicked upstairs and now she is the head of the American Federation of Teachers and is responsible for the guy named Johnson, the socialist, now being the mayor in Chicago over Vals, who had been the previous superintendent of schools in Chicago, Philly, and one other place, I forget. Oh, yeah, all because of Randy Weingarten. And now we got Mulgrew, the chairman. Not on our mind. You see, the power, the Asian power. By the way, did I tell you I was the first Republican running for mayor ever to win the Asian vote? See, I could talk to a tune that way soon, right? See, I can't even pronounce it the right way. <laughs> you say, how the hell did you win the Asian vote, man? Well, you know, I have guardian angels in Flushing and Woodside, Queens. Got them in Sunset Park in Brooklyn. In fact, tomorrow they'll be on Avenue U and Bensonhurst. That's right. The Chinese are growing in leaps and bounds there. I don't care what Joe Biden's money took. It has to come down. What the hell was that? Where'd you pull that out? You pulled a rabbit out of your hat for Easter on that one. Oh, my God. The balloon. The balloon. The balloon. Oh, 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 that reminds me. Oh, there's the warmonger extraordinaire. The toughest guy to get as a guest in talk radio and talk TV. You know who I'm talking about. Gordon Shang. It is so difficult to get him as a guest. Sometimes he's on every show, every moment of the day, uh, saying we got to go to war against Red China, go to war against Russia, go to war against Iran, go to war against uh, North Korea. And then sometimes he throws some other countries in there, Pakistan, you know, Algeria. Where the hell did he come up with Algeria from? He's just a warmonger. Could I hear that again? What was that? Let me hear that, Broadway Billy. I don't care what Joe Biden's money took. It has to come down. Yeah. Yeah, that's the one time we didn't hear from Gordon Chang. As, uh, that should be his calling card. I am the toughest man to get on talk TV and talk radio, although you hear me on every show on WABC, other talk radio programs, and, of course, talk TV. I might as well have my own show on the Fox News channel. They use me all the time. Was that uh, General Jack Pence from, you know, Central uh, Casting? That's right. We, that's an outrage. We know to go to war. Really, right now, uh, China is unstable because people there um, have had enough of the Communist Party and they've had enough of Xi Jinping. Uh, let me tell you, Gordon Chang, you were predicting the demise of Red China back in 2011. You wrote a book, sold a lot of books. And then in 2012, people said... What happened? It's stronger than ever before. You said, give them another year, they'll collapse. And now you want to go to war against them. And you probably. not allow its um, acts of war to be committed without uh, repercussion. Hmm. How many wars can you fight at the same time? 
That's why you got to bone up on your James Bond movies. You got to bone up on your Man from Uncle programs. You know, you got to gear up for war. So many warmongers. It's just like the uh, song that I played uh, from Black Sabbath, Ozzy Osbourne, War Pigs. Will not allow its um, acts of war to be committed without uh, repercussions. Ah, uh, repercussions. That's right. Well, what's going to happen, right? We're going to boycott red Chinese products, right? Yeah, we buy American only. How many times have we tried that? Oh, we're going to find other places to buy our products. Yeah, how many times? And now, where do most of our products come from that we are buying the store? Red China. World War Three. 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 You know, maybe those Walmarts that closed in Chicago, they closed because they couldn't get any more products from Red China, right? Wrong. Because the homies were stealing the products off the shelves that were mostly from Red China. So Walmart there in Arkansas said, you know, later for that. We're not into this business to lose money and watch everything get stolen off the shelves. Uh, So we're closing our Walmarts in Chicago. And by the way, as a present to the brand-new socialist mayor who's worse than the previous mayor, Mayor Lightweight, Lightfoot, whatever her name is, who is one of the featured guests of the National Action Network uh, annual convention at the Sheraton Hotel, hosted by Al Slim Shady Sharpton, uh, a shakedown of the major Fortune 500 companies that had to kick in and buy civil rights insurance. She was one of the featured presenters. But this new guy, Johnson, is worse. In fact, they had... Three armed car robberies. Three armored truck robberies all in one day. Yeah, well, because the criminals know they got it like that. Anyway, let's go to Jerry and Edison. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Jerry. Yeah, hi, Curtis. You know what I think this person who did wrong uh, with the government files and all that, Tex Share, his name is, I guess. Um, he should get a light sentence, I think, relatively speaking. You know, a few years might teach him a lesson. And the reason I say that is this is like... Say you worked for Coca-Cola and you were a 21-year-old, and let's say Coca-Cola is saying, as they do, of course, that there's no cocaine in their Coke, and they've been lying to us all this time. And this kid who works there is a sweeper. He sweeps the floors in a Coke factory. They give him clearance and give him the formula, and it shows there's cocaine in it. And he's not doing it for profit or anything. He just always thought, hey, maybe drugs are in the Coke, you know, and he tells his friends, I was right. And he sends it out on the Internet. I don't think we should worry about him. We should worry about who gave him the formula and what the formula has in it. Who's stupid enough to give it to him? First off, as a security breach, that's the person whose head should roll. And the second thing is the fact that it has cocaine in the beer and what we found out from this, very important to know. By the way, Jerry, are you aware that the depository for all those cocoa leaves that uh, get uh, milled into Coca-Cola as we know it here in America, where it has the fizz south of the border in Mexico. It's flat, no fizz. Uh, is actually all stored and uh, uh, turned into the product in New Jersey. Are you aware of that, Jerry? No, I'm not. Well, you just learned something, Jerry. You <laughs> see? Yes, I did. Yeah, no, no, no. I they bring in the did. they bring in the cocoa leaves. Uh, they create. In fact, when we were kids. And we'd have a strep throat. Uh, our mommies wouldn't take us to the doctor. They would say, the old remedy is you go to the luncheonette, you go to the soda fountain jerk, uh, and you ask for the Coca-Cola syrup. 
said, Mommy, but that'll that'll cure the strep throat. She goes, I know, and that's where you get back into school. No, I want I want to have this strep throat so I could be out a week. No, take the raw Coca-Cola syrup. They give it to you in a little container, and let me tell you, it would knock out everything. You had sexually transmitted diseases, you had syphilis, you had strep throat, whatever ailed you, that raw Coca-Cola syrup knocked it right out of your system. Why? Because it had the coquina in, eh? Now, you, ever, you ever take a little taste of that syrup? Especially if you were a soda jerk and you were making up, you know, right from the fountain, the Coca-Cola, and you said, wow, this gives me some energy. Before there was Red Bull, there was Coca-Cola, the old-fashioned syrup. Who knows where in New Jersey these coca leaves are brought in. Uh, they are mined and milled. And uh, some of it becomes the product in the Coca-Cola that many of you drink. Or you put old pennies in and you watch all of the, what can we call it, crud. Just get washed off of it like it was knocks on overnight. And all of a sudden you say, wow, a brand new copper penny. Check this out. On the weekend, take a journey with the people's mayor. Curtis Lewa is the politician who says don't trust politicians. It's another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa. The iconic, the legendary Curtis Lewa. This city doesn't sleep, and neither does Curtis Lewa on another side of midnight. Oh, yeah. Now, to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa. Ladies and gentlemen, I have asked a question of our previous caller at the top of the hour. Where in New Jersey is the plant that is the decoconization plant for for Coca-Cola that removes the leaves so that they can be used for Coca-Cola? And uh, why does the government give them that exemption? By the way, when they find all these old submarines with kilos full of cocaine... And the Colombians come out, you know, after the Coast Guard has brought them ashore, whether in Colombia, Bolivia, uh, Dominican Republic, Puerto Rico, or here along the coast of America. And the uh, guys from the Medellin or the Cali cartel come out, they can say, hey, no, no, we're bringing it to the uh, the plant in New Jersey where the decoconization takes place for Coca-Cola. None of you knew that, did you? It's been there for years. They've been bringing in tractor trailers of cocoa leaves that have been picked up there in the Andes Mountains by the indigenous people of Peru, of Colombia, of Bolivia. And, you know, they like to chew the cocoa leaves because they have toothaches like I have right now, like Sid Rosenberg had. Because any moment, I'm telling you, this uh, front cap that I have, it's already flapping every time I speak. It's going to come flying out. 
That's why you have the bulletproof glass that separates uh, Broadway Bill Lee of uh, on loan from WCBS-FM. And, of course, Avery, that Utreditor. Later on, you're going to hear how he stabbed me in the back. How his new homeboy is James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly. Yeah, you don't have my back. You with the brothers, right? It's all about melanin. It's all about the skin color. Oh, yeah. Notice, nobody knows where this hush, hush, mosh, mosh, D. I'll D coconut the cocaine leaves. Bring them to my house. I'll get all the cocaine out of the leaves. And then you can ship them to the international headquarters of Coca-Cola, which is based in Atlanta, Georgia. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Speaking uh, of New Jersey, you notice this Hall and Oates classic, Private Eyes. I always believed that uh, Hall and Oates were homosexual. I really did. You ever see their pictures? I mean, come on, man. Come on. And then you find out, and, and this is how they tell the story. They say that, uh, what, Daryl, I think, was from Pottstown. What, 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 what was he? Pottstown, Pennsylvania, and that uh, Oates was from uh, New York City. And they were going to Temple University, as many of you have gone, South Broad Street, and all of a sudden the g- gangs were having a shootout there right outside of Temple University, which still goes on today. And they were both with two different bands, and they went running for cover because it was like band competition. You know, they were having some kind of a a gathering of students. And they ran into the same elevator to hide. And then they looked at one another. Daryl looked at Oates. Oates looked at Daryl. And their their irises uh, began to become pools of eternal love. And they realized that they had to actually work together with one another, and that's how Daryl Hall and John Oates got together, right? Why is it that wherever they ended up living, they were always living in the same house? I mean, think about that, okay? Look, I got nothing to against that, right? But when you saw those pictures of Hall and Oates, tell me you didn't think they were homosexual. Come on, right? Oh, no, not you, Broadway Billy, because they wouldn't let you say that at WCBS-FM. You and Joe Corsi, and I know you're still sitting shiver for Scott Shannon. God damn it! He's retired! What the hell? And you know, used to work at WCBS-FM, that's right. You all used to kiss his tuckus, cousin Brucey, yeah, Bruce Morrow, yeah. And then he said, oof, the WCBS-FM. And he went to satellite radio. People thought, where, where did Brucey go? And then John and Marco Katsimatidis rescued him, brought him back to our family. And you're going to hear him in a few hours right after his protege. That's right, the Prince of Staten Island, Vinny Madugno. You know, I don't think any of them play Hall and Oates. Maybe Tony Orlando uh, without Dawn from 10 to 12, right after Cousin Brucey. Hey, yo, I'm looking at some of these Hall and Oates pictures. Man. Am I right? Yeah. I mean, they're sweet. Hey, look. They become highly successful, right? Do they still live together? I'm wondering. (laughs) 
Hey, look, all I can tell you is what, what I knew was when I was organizing Guardian Angels in Philly, they said, oh, yeah, yeah, gangbangers were having a shootout on South Broad Street outside of Temple University, uh, right outside of the Scepter Station. And they didn't run into the Scepter Station. They ran into an elevator, only the two of them. And from that, they became Hall and Oates. Hmm. Yeah, man, I, I'm just looking at these pictures. I, I don't think... Homoerotic, right? Yeah, Homoerotic, yeah. man. Manly love. I mean, hey, you know, it's what it is. <laughs> I, don't I, see, I, I don't see how there can be any doubt. I spotted it. Right, right away, everybody. Oh, you're a homophobe. No, that's homoerotic, man. Look at those guys. Yeah, I mean, especially, you notice one is like peering over the other's shoulder like he's ready to put a quick peck on his cheek. Man, I'm looking at a bunch of them, man. Like, there's all different varieties, and they all come, make you come to the same conclusion. Damn right. Uh, don't jump into a hot tub with them at Temple University, that's for sure. Whoa! Hey, not, hey, not condemning it or nothing, but no, I mean, no, 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 no. We're not condemning it. They yeah. made made good music, good music, but wherever they live, even when they were making millions and millions of dollars, they always lived together. The short one looked like the lead singer from a Queen. What's his name? Oh, Freddie. Right? Yeah, he looked like that. He looked like kind of like. And he was about as gay as you could be. Oh well, yeah, I mean, I mean. <laughs> Come on, that was Freddie. You know, and he was a queen. There's no doubt about it. Oh, now I'm going to get accused of being a homophobe, right? Look, yeah, look, man. look, Broadway, Bill Lee, he's like grumbling, man. We don't do yeah, that at WCBS FM. No, no, you don't. Yeah, let, let's park the car and then leave it, leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you see, at WCBS FM, everything is sanitized. You guys aren't permitted to give opinions. Just spin the music. You know, from 1932. You heard that verse, right? I'll do anything you ask me to do. Man, hold. Look at, look at this one, man. No, oh, come on, man. Now, now, who spotted it? Right? Eagle Eye Sliwa. Hey, you don't have to be like an X-Man to spot this. Yeah. Like... <laughs> But nobody else ever said it, right? You ever you hear your newfound friend Bo Snurdly, aka? You ever hear him say, "Oh yeah, definitely a, a gay partnership there." Well, they were selling records, man. So it, people look the other way when you're selling records. Definitely men in love, right? Yeah. That should have been there. The name, men in love, right? Uh, Instead of men at work, men in love. One got a lavender. I don't know what that is, man. Oh, well, look, uh -uh, very gay. Okay. Yeah. This, yeah. See, smoke marijuana when you play it backwards. That's Freddie, right? Yeah, that was. Real. That's Freddie, a queen. <laughs> man. Oh man, they were good. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. Queen was like. Wow, when they when they were on a roll until he had his uh, ailments, man, they, they would be like nonstop. My, my wife loved it. I never really liked Queen, and then she would play it. Or hey, man, that's pretty damn good. Man, that one, wow, they did that song. Ooh, they did that song too. Yeah, 
Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. I can see from our audience not too many responses to my uh, homoerotic suggestion about the matching uh, of Daryl <laughs> of Hall and Oates. Anyway, let's go to George in Pearl River, the Irish Riviera in Rockland County. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, George. Maywood, New Jersey, the cocoa leaf thing. Ah, now how did you know that, George? I, I looked it up on Google. You cheated. Oh, come on. Give me some credit. I'm up late. But, George, you would have to admit that it's sort of shocking that for decades now... Uh, with a crackdown against drugs, a war on drugs, that we've been letting 18-wheel tractor trailers over the border from Mexico into America on their way to New Jersey stuffed with cocaine leaves that go to this plant that they they get, they call it now. And I, I just don't believe this, uh, how they can make sure that none of the workers there walk out with the cocoa leaves. Decoconization. Do you believe that? Curtis, I think all politicians, I think half of them are on dope. They let it in and they're making money on the side. That's what I think. I am telling you, George, when we were kids, uh, when were you born, George? I am 52. I'm 52 years old. All right. So that's a little bit after the time you would go to the nearby candy store luncheon at the Soda Jerk. Your mother would tell you (laughs) to order Coca-Cola pure syrup, the syrup that they would make the Coca-Cola out of when the the soda jerk would sort of mix it with the spritz uh, and you would have like a nice little glass of Coca-Cola, man. I'm telling you, George, that had coquina in it. I was addicted to Coca-Cola. I used to drink two 68-ounce bottles of Coca-Cola a day. In the old days of WABC, people remember I would have a 68-ounce bottle uh, in the AM and a 68 ounce bottle in the PM. How I didn't die from that, I have no idea. Now, what do you think caused the stomach ailments that I had? The um, colitis, ileitis, and then the chronic Crohn's disease. Do you think it was the five hollow point bullets that John Gotti Sr. ordered John Gotti Jr. and the Gambino crime family to fill my lower extremities with? Or do you think it was from drinking? Since I was the age of, I would say, about 14, uh, about 68 ounces I'd started with, the old Coca-Cola bottles, that was the best, the glass bottles. Uh, I started pretty much with like a six-pack first, a day, a day. And then I'd go collecting the bottles, you know, and bring them in for the deposit, the nickel deposit, because they were everywhere. The old-fashioned Coca-Cola bottles, which if you look through them, uh, they look like some guy's glasses who could barely see, you know, the Coke bottoms. And, man, if you threw it from a rooftop down at somebody, it would hit them in the head, man, they'd end up concussed for a month of Sundays. That's nasty. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Giuseppe, who's calling from Monroe, New York. Your turn, uh... To be heard here at WABC, Giuseppe. Mr. Mayor Curtis, my pleasure to speak with you again. Um, b- before I answer your question, the reason why you weren't elected rat czar for New York City is because you would have eradicated the biggest rat in New York, and that would have been Mr. Adams, 
Mayor <laughs> Adams. He <would've... laughs> uh, now, I got to tell you, uh, that's one thing he does not do. He does not rat out anybody. He has been brought into investigations before by uh, investigatory groups, uh, and he believed that snitches get stitches and end up in ditches. So make your other points, Joseph. Um, I used to play torts throughout Bergen County, and one of the places I used to go was the Oak Tavern in Maywood, New Jersey. And the topic of conversation was that cocaine factory, which manufactures pharmaceutical cocaine right off of Route 17. Well, right now, your tower. now you, you would think that they would have armed guards, they would have turrets there, they would have submachine guns and everything to protect that joint, right? Well, I would think that um, um, Hoffman LaRoche would have had it when they had th- their factory on Route 3, where manufacturing Valium, wouldn't you think? Mm. Now, Giuseppe, you were in Bergen County to play darts? I played darts all over. In Manhattan, in Passaic County, in Rockland County, um, it was a big. It's actually still a very big thing. Did you uh, gamble? No, no I, like we would play luck of the draw, but no, I never made um, my passion my business. Now you know, uh, in the UK, they love darts. Uh, England, Wales, Northern Ireland, Scotland—they love to play darts. Uh, why do they seem to be so involved in playing darts, and Americans not as much? Well, you have to understand the history of darts. Is darts, original darts, came from Scotland. And what happens in Scotland when they play golf? It rains. So when it's raining out and they can't play golf, they play darts. Now, the traditional English darts, they're not like American darts, which are steel tip, the English darts are called witties, not woodies, witties, which are technically about 10 inches long, and, you know, which makes the game slightly different. But I, I have a feeling that it's because it was invented in that area. Now, question, uh, because you obviously are an expert in this field, I would think uh, that the English dart, is a more dangerous potential weapon than the American-style dart. They both have points on them. <laughs> you know how I know, Joe? You know how I know? Let me take you back circa 1988. I was in Wandsworth in southern London in a council estate. I was lecturing West Indian youth who were considered juvenile delinquents in a community hall. And they were, like, uh, engrossed uh, with me because I was from New York. They wanted to know, yo, uh, you've been to the Bronx, you know, Brooklyn rap. And they were mentioning all kinds of degenerate rappers. And so I had them eating out of the palm of my hand. But their supervisors, uh, I had no idea what thugs who were on the dole. 20, 20 hours a week, they would supervise these young thugs as big thugs, and then the other 20 hours, they they would get uh, basically have to go out there and supervise these thugs. And they took uh, exception to what I was talking about. And because they speak the Queen's English, the thugs over there, you get beguiled into thinking they're not really as bad as thugs here in the United States. So they came up on the stage while I'm giving my presentation. These are the adult supervisors they cracked a pool stick over my head. 
a chair over my head, and they grabbed the darts from the dartboard that was in the area where generally people would uh, play darts, and they stabbed me over and over in my mouth. I had to go for microsurgery to the uh, St. Mary's Casualty Ward, which is uh, their form of an emergency hospital. They stitched me up with micro-stitches. They were like 138. I thought I was going to get a bill especially because I was from America, and the director of the hospital said, no bill, mate, it's NHS, National Health Service, enjoy your stay in England. You see, that's how I came to know uh, darts, Joe, right in my face. That's not right, Curtis. You know, if you remember correctly, back in the, I, I think it was the 70s, they came out with those long darts, and they had to do away with them. Because you want to talk something, talk about something being dangerous, those what was called jorts hurt a lot of people, so they had to take them off the market. Let them, now, just imagine getting hit in the mouth of one of those things. Well, I know firsthand. And then the bobbies came running in as the thugs went running out. The bobbies, they had their hat in their hand, running. No guns, of course. Uh, they wanted to know what happened. It took me down to Brixton, the police station. I described the uh, thugs who did it. They went out. They got them. In fact, they were doing security at the Fridge, which was the most popular nightclub at that time in Brixton. They put them in a lineup. All of them had shaved their heads because they had had baby dreadlocks. And I was able to pick them out, especially the main culprit. We went to the Old Bailey. The judges then still wore powdered wigs. I like their system better. They're the inquisitors, not the uh, barristers. Uh, their form of attorneys there. In fact, they do very little for their defendants. Uh, it's the judge who asks the questions and enters all the answers into a ledger. So the judge can't afford to fall asleep like I've seen so many judges before fall asleep in court. Because they went out for a liquid lunch. Hell yeah. The judge gets in at like 9.30, puts on the black regal robes, leaves at 11.30, says, we'll be back for lunch, right? You're supposed to be back by 1 o'clock. They don't roll in until 2.30. They're half in the bag. They had a liquid lunch, and then they're out the door at 4 to go play golf. Oh, yeah, not in England. Oh, no. And the guy who stabbed me up with the darts, he got 10 years. 10 years. He was supposed to pay uh, restitution to me at 10,000 pounds. I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting like I'm waiting for that concession call from Fernando Mateo, who I crushed in the Republican mayoral primary. Still waiting for that call. My quantum eye, not going to get it. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go, if we can, to Donna. Who's calling from New Jersey? Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Donna. Hi, Curtis. How are you tonight? Well, uh, I'm doing well because I'm not doing the traditional uh, talk radio that I've heard all day long here at WABC and talk TV. <laughs> Let's take that young guy, give him triple life without parole. Let's. Let's put him before firing squad. Yeah, yeah, they're all tough guys and gals. But go ahead, Donna. <laughs> Curtis, I'm a. Uh lifelong uh, resident of Greenwich Village and um, recently for health reasons for my husband we moved to New Jersey and um, uh, we lived right across the street from John Oates 
And he lived in 299 West 12th Street. And my son was a huge fan of his, being a teenager, and used to follow him all around. I just wanted to say, I mean, I wasn't up in his apartment or anything, but I never saw Daryl Hall near the building. John Oates was married at that time to um, a Ford model. And we saw them together, but I never saw uh, Daryl Hall. So wait a second. So, Donna, you are claiming that the intuitive uh, feelings of Avery are incorrect based on the photo array that he just saw for the very first time about uh, uh, Hall and Oates. Well, I'm not saying that he's incorrect. I'm not saying that I'm uh, that I'm uh, totally convinced that he's uh, straight. I'm just telling you my observations. No, no, that, 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 just... that, that is an excellent observation. Uh, I want you to apologize, Avery. <laughs> uh, a- Avery really needs to apologize because based on one photo lineup of the original stock photos of Hall & Oates, he came to the conclusion that it was homoerotic. Shame on you, Avery. Apologize. <laughs> this, this, this wasn't one photo, right? This was Google Images. This was the whole lifetime of their partnership. No, 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 hold on. Donna was right there yeah. in Greenwich Village. Told I lived you. right across the street from him. Yeah. <laughs> but you, you weren't keeping tabs on him, though. No, I wasn't. But whenever I saw him in the street, um, I he was never with uh, his partner yeah, I wouldn't, in music. I, I, in would, music. I wouldn't be with him either if I was on the, in the closet. Now, now, hold no, on a second. Not, no, but they were partners in in, in uh, business partners. Why wouldn't he be with them? You know, you're casting aspersions here, Avery. You're you're skating on thin ice here, Avery. No. I believe Donna. I don't believe you. I'm your a, observation based on a photo lineup. I'm playing Des- I'm playing devil's advocate. <laughs> devil's advocate. By hey, the way, Curtis, yes. Hey, Cur- Curtis. Yes, Donna. I just wanted to say, my husband and I are lifelong. Um, uh, fans of you, uh, of yours, and I was a nurse in St. Vincent's Hospital for over 30 years, and we all loved you on my floor. Thank you. Right there in Greenwich Village itself, across the street from the old Maritime, uh, National Maritime Union Hall. That's where I used it. to go with my father and I'd watch him shape up for jobs as a bosun, you know, based on the ships right. that departing or ships that he would have to fly to, right across from St. Vincent Hospital. You got it. And by the way, Donna, just uh, for clarification here, Avery, you seem to be suggesting because he was living in Greenwich Village at that time that somehow that implied that he was living a gay lifestyle. Uh, Would it strike you as odd that I lived on Barrow Street right in the heart of Greenwich Village for one summer as I was watching my sister Alita's apartment as she was off with the road the troupe of the musical Hair in Amsterdam. Would that strike you as odd, huh? I'm not I'm not talking about Greenwich Village. You brought that up. I'm talking about these pictures in front of my face. No, 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 no. You heard 12th Street in Greenwich Village. And let me tell you, I remember on Barrow Street, I was on the ground floor. And I kept the window open on a day like today and a night like today, hot. A lot of people across the street. And you know who was at the piano bar? Bette Midler singing. And do you know who her piano player was? 
every time I hear his voice right now, I shiver. Because if he gets another, another facelift, his face will snap like an old rubber band. Do you know who I'm talking about? I mean, oh, Barry Manilow? Yes! Uh, yeah, Barry Manilow. Imagine. Okay. I'm actually looking out the window. It had the, the guardrails, you know, like all apartments have, ground floor. And I'm wondering, what are all these people crowding into this right across on Barrow Street? It's a very small street. What are they all crowded into what looks like it's just a little little bar? And there was Bette Midler singing, and there was Barry Manilow playing the uh, uh, the piano, and they were having a gay old time. It doesn't mean that I was gay. Avery, what, what are you suggesting here, huh? That all of a sudden I would be starring in the movie with Al Pacino, which was... Uh, what the hell was that movie where he was wearing that, like, Nazi cap and the chaps and all that stuff, you know, the stroll? What, what, did, they, what did they call that Al Pacino movie? Our number is 1-800-848-WABC. That's 1-800-848-9222. You can act like a man. What's the matter with you? This is Another Side of Midnight with Curtis Lewa. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa. Recognize this, Avery. Guns and Roses version of To Live and Let Die. I don't think Axel Rose and Slash were gay. Do you think? Uh, no. No, they were totally hetroed out. Although that Slash guy, you can never see his face, right? Never. Never. He had that, that, that funny-looking hat, that cobbler's hat on. That hair, Slash, Axel Rose with that schmata on his head. No, no, they, they, no, 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 they were not gay. No way. No way. Now, by the way, in just a few hours, I will be with Anthony Weiner, left versus right, three to four. And I'm going to be asking him, hey, look, SUNY, which he went to a SUNY campus in Plattsburgh to play hockey. To play hockey. Uh, No entrance tests anymore. No act tests, no SAT tests. Just like Columbia. Just come in because their enrollments have plunged so badly. Dominic Carter. He went, uh, what was that, up in Corning? You know, where they used to go cow tipping. Can you imagine Dominic Carter from the South Bronx, right, from the Patterson Projects, 138th and 3rd with all these white boys going cow tipping at night? And then, of course, there's hockey Jeffries, soon to be Speaker of the House. It's inevitable when the Democrats have their majority, who said that he never knew that his uncle, Dr. Leonard Jeffries, who used to be in charge of black studies for the City University of New York, 
was a virulent anti-Semite. Maybe the worst ever in the city of New York, and that's saying a lot. And guess what? All of a sudden, the Wall Street, the world, the Wall Street Journal. See that tooth is ready to pop at a moment's notice. Found an old op-ed that he wrote in the student newspaper in Bingington, the SUNY College, when he went there, praising his uncle, Dr. Leonard Jeffries, saying he was a battler against white supremacy, and praising Schooly Louis Farrakhan at the same time. And then when he was asked by the Wall Street Journal, he goes. I vaguely remember that. Yeah, sure. Meantime, you remember all the words from Biggie Smalls, the degenerate rapper that you announce every time you give a speech. You see, they're all liars. Republicans and Democrats, they remember what they want to remember, and they conveniently forget what they want to forget. Oh, did I write that op-ed piece? I vaguely remember that when I was a student at SUNY in Binghamton, where you only go there to drink. Like you do most SUNY universities. Boy, having a plummeting enrollment must mean that a lot of young people are no longer drinking as much, but they're toking up and doing shrooms. And of course, Kukina. You know, they got shipped to that plant in Maywood, New Jersey, where they had a government license to bring in cocaine. Do de cocaineize it? So that it could be used in Coca-Cola. You buy that crap? You believe that crap? Yeah, you go ahead and believe that crap. I don't. It's a perfect way of bringing in kilos of cocaine. From Pablo Escobar, used to be the head of the Medellin cartel. In fact, even Pablo Escobar, with all of his cocaine money, never wore suits like Eric Adams Swagger Man, mayor of the illegal aliens, wears $5,000 customized suits. Not off the rack, I might add. At, Listen, you know and I know that it's all about the swagger. <laughs> yeah, I know, and he's up Club Zero Bond right now with his swagger. Whatever happens there stays there. Claiming he's a godly man now, right? He says prayer is the answer. Except when he goes up to Club Zero Bond, very ungodly up there. I, I would tell you I met a shorty there, but... Yeah, I know. But maybe you don't go that way either. Maybe you're like, more like Hall & Oates, right? I mean, who knows? Let's go to Tommy in Queens. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Tommy. I always said that uh, you had a, a great investigative mind and you got to follow your gut. Um, I, I agree with Avery. I actually, I, I spoke to a couple of guys uh, back in the days when uh, we were all laid off. We had the layoffs in June of 75, all the, all the PD guys, all the city cops. And uh, they did a little like, you know, uh, high value armed escort, a lot of high end uh, celebrities. And they also did some bodyguard work for some of the celebrities that were just coming up like calling out. And they said, wow, what a bunch of phenoics. And uh, I, I just remember it from back like 1977, 78, when they were coming up. And, uh, and I looked at some of the photographs, too. My girlfriend at the time was was into it. I said, there's something wrong with these guys, you know. So regarding this woman from the village, I, I agree. You know, she lived there and, uh, you know, you had, probably had a regular wife, whatever the case may be. And it could have been like a cover, like let's say with Bess Myerson and, and Koch. It's like, you know, they have a little secret uh, secret thing going on inside, and they're being very discreet about it. So Don't you mean uh, that was his beard? On a night where 
That's one for your side, Avery. Tommy there says, yep. Although, hey, Tommy, uh, with all the guys uh, that you used to roll with, did anybody uh, suggest who was the pitcher, who was the catcher there? Now, you know, courtesy, it didn't go that far. They they uh, they had their observation. They probably saw some action, and uh, they didn't get to the point where they said, you know, who's the dominant, who's the submissive. Mm. But, um, that's, uh, but the, the fact remains the same. You know, listen, you know, do what you want. More girls for us, right? Exactly. Well, what do we care? Yeah, I don't care. Come see, come saw, right? But Avery, oh, it made his day. He's still looking at those pictures. You know, Broadway Billy, I'm beginning to wonder about Avery. Now that he's uh, all hot to trot over James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, and he's cheating on me. Yeah. Oh, let me hear this. Yeah. Yeah. about Avery, he's all focused on that album cover. Hey, we think Avery maybe a little homoerotic? I mean, you know. <laughs> little ebony and ivory action there, huh? Wow. He's going through their whole photo album. My God. They're using Grecian formula right now. You're still looking at their pictures of them as old timers now. Man, I'm tell- <laughs> telling you, ever, ever, ever since I caught you cheating on me with James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurley, we're going to be cold busting you later on in the show. You didn't think I would hear about that, huh? A lot of callers stop Hell me. In the- no. Oh, yes. A lot of people stop me in the street say, oh, man, you know, Avery is cheating on you. I said, what? Oh, yeah, man, he's snacking on Bo Snurdly, a.k.a. James Golden, and sort of like... Hell no. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, Bo. I notice all the time, you say, hey, Avery, what, yo, what's up, bro? What, what, What is this bro stuff here? Telling you, man. Been hearing a lot about that in the streets and the subways. A lot of WABC listeners saying... What are you crying for? Because I'm such a cornball. No. Because I'm a cornball. No, it's Barry on WABC. And save it for the shower stalls, James Golden. He'll be on 7 to 10. And, you know, I hope some of you call him up and you really say, yo, Sliwa's really upset at you that you're stealing Avery away. James Golden, you know, he's a, he's a look. He knows something about music, but he he can't touch this stuff. He's not. I'm five star top shelf here, right? Because I'm a white guy. I'm supposed to have no rhythm, right? White boys can't jump. White boys against brothers are going to get knocked out, and then naturally, white boys just uh, don't have knowledge about R and B, right? That's what they generally say. Well, I seem to defeat all of those stereotypes against McWhitey Whiteys. Hell no. Telling you. And again, 
if you were to blindfold somebody in Topeka, Kansas, who never heard of James Golden, never heard of Curtis Sliwa, and ask him, who is the white guy and who is the black guy? They'll say Curtis is the black guy, James Golden is the McWhitey Whitey. Guaranteed. 1-800-848-9222. Now notice, in close to two hours of a show, why this show is so different than the others, we have not talked about blindfolding this 21-year-old guy from Massachusetts, this geeky leaker, putting him up against the wall, shooting him, executing him, putting him in triple life without parole, right? I, I've heard that all day long here at WABC and Talk TV. It's like, after a while, give it up. They just repeat themselves over and over. There's nothing entertaining about it. It's like they listen to the person's program before them, and they repeat all the same lines. This guy's a traitor. He's guilty of espionage. Lock him up. Throw away the key. By the way, uh, Hinckley is walking around. He tried to kill Reagan. He's now doing concerts. Yeah. Yeah, think about that. Let's go to Paulie, who's calling from Inwood in New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Paulie. Yeah, what's up, Curtis? I haven't talked to you in a while. Since you lost your tooth on the air, how about that? Yeah, it's ready to pop any minute. <laughs> Last time I talked to you, you lost your tooth. It was snowing out. Oh, and the pain. It's going to be bad. <laughs> it's going to be bad. Hey, but, you know, maybe if I could go to Maywood, New Jersey, and get some of those cocoa leaves and chew on it, oh, I, w- I would feel no that pain. It's the worst chemical plant around. If you If you look... At that whole area, they had it all of Maywood Avenue. They had to dig up all the houses. They had no dirt. They had to dig up all the dirt because it was all contaminated. It's actually under construction as we speak. So it's it's, uh, it's considered a, a, chemical company. A, a browning field by the EPA. Yeah. Oh my God. It's it's really bad. Those poor people are dying of cancer. Well, now, now, it's the worst chemical company around, Pfizer Chemical Company. So basically, they've been given a license to bring in cocaine leaves and right. decocainize it, which I don't believe. Uh, and then they ship it down to Atlanta, Georgia, the international headquarters for Coca-Cola. The train is right there. It runs right down, runs right down uh, Central Avenue. The Pfizer Chemical Company is on Hunter Avenue. Yeah, and I, I got I, all the people. All the people there have died of cancer within that in that radius. All the people have—it's crazy how how many people have died of cancer. Yeah, I, I wouldn't doubt it. You know, there's so many areas in New Jersey we don't ever pay enough attention in New Jersey, uh, where per capita per person we have more listeners in the tri-state area than anywhere else. Uh, I know that. Uh, Man, I'm, I'm telling you, uh, yeah, that the one time that I went, uh, and I'm trying to think uh, where the uh, asbestos was manufactured there all during the war years, after the war years. I think it's, what, Mansfield, New Jersey. It's only like one square mile, and it's like all of Browning Field now. All the asbestos was made there, and people, like, oh, dying, dying of horrible yeah. cancer deaths. Uh, uh, melothemia, I think they call it. Yeah. I just found out I got cancer from nine eleven, so I'm I got maybe a year or two left. So you know what the hell? It happens. It happens. What are you going to do? 
I know, but you can you can hold on. I mean, th- 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 things yeah. are better than they used to be. Remember, remember how pancreatic cancer was an actual death sentence. If a if a man or a woman were announced to have pancreatic cancer, they would basically say, "Go on a cruise, enjoy yourself, because when you come back, you'll probably be dead." Major advances have been made, Paul. You got to hold on. You got to hold on, Paul. Uh, they, they were talking about cutting out my lungs, so they hold it. Now, were you? Uh, just, were as a you, matter of fact, I just saw my vehicle. I just saw my car today. I said, "You know what? I'm going to take it and live life." Let me ask you a question, Paulie. No were, were you a smoker growing up? Yeah. And and what 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 was your in the normal day? How much would you smoke? Come on, white guy, smoke a pack of Marlboro a day. Marlboro Reds. I was a New York, I was a New York City guardsman. Yeah, yeah. No, no. It takes its toll. It takes its toll. I would hope uh, that people listening, uh, whether they're smokers or they've given up smoking. Uh, I, quit, I quit smoking. I quit smoking. That's I can't breathe anymore. I got so many breathing devices here. Smoking is not the way. Smoking is not the way. You know what? I I can't even smoke pot. I can't even smoke pot. I'll choke to death. If I want to, if I want to relax because of the pain I'm in, I got to do an edible. Mm. Now, question: uh, no. How old were you when you started smoking cigarettes? Oh God, I had to be about fourteen, fifteen. Was, uh, that was the end thing. Well, that was the end thing. Oh yeah, were there were there smokers? Cool. Were there smokers in your immediate family? No, believe it or not, nobody else smoked in my family. Yeah, you know, my father uh, would not smoke. He was a merchant seaman. Would not smoke or not drink because his father, my grandfather, did died in his fifties from lung cancer. Uh, and then naturally, you know, typical teenager, I smoked for about a year. I was pumping gas at a gas station, Shell Station on Rockaway Parkway, Seaview Avenue. I was smoking menthols, man. You know, it's like, oh, yep. <laughs> that's, yep. the, that's the other thing that makes me a brother, Avery and Broadway Billy. Yeah. I was smoking yeah. Newport yeah. menthols. Yeah, you are, you're a brother. You're a brother if you smoke, a, you know, menthols. And my, then, my and wife, then I, I chased, I chased the guy, I chased the guy around the block, right? A guy who had just uh, smacked somebody, and, and I noticed I was breathing heavy. That was it for me. If I couldn't chase somebody and catch him, that was it. Yeah, it's it's bad. You, you, anybody that smokes, please stop. Please stop because it's not worth it. It's not worth it. You can't. I can't walk up. Sec. I live on a second floor, and I I, I run out of breath. I got to do an, you know, an nebulizer. How long ago did it, did, did you first realize that? Um, probably last year. I went to uh, I went to the hospital. Matter of fact, I talked to you when I had the catheter into me. Oh and, yeah! Uh, oh yeah! Ooh, I've had that. Ooh. Yeah, they they collapsed my lung. They collapsed my lung and. Uh, it was just a mess. And I talked to you from the hospital. Yeah, no, I remember that call. Did they show you the yeah. x-rays of your lung? Yeah, I got a, it's like a nodule on my uh, lung. So I went again for a radiation treatment. And the radiation kicked your ass too. That's, you know, it's no joke. So now I don't know what to do. It's either chemotherapy or they get cut open you know, if I get cut open, you know, it could spread. You know, it's it's a mess. You know, it's just, but with 9-11, really it's not helping me out because I live in New Jersey. 
and all my doctors, you know, are in, you know, are right here in Jersey, but I got to go to New York sometimes. You know, it's it's not it's not fair to the people that live in New Jersey and other states. People that came from Texas, all of that, that got cancer, you have to come all the way to their doctors. That's that's you know that's the worst thing. Uh, t- I'm using. Luckily, I'm on you know disability, and I'm getting all my Jersey doctors. And New York is helping me out, you know, somewhat. I just want my wife to be taken care of when I when I drop dead. That's you know that's the one thing I want. No, totally understood. And uh, let me tell you, everybody out there, wherever you're listening uh, to Paulie, who's on his last legs, he knows it. Like so many others who have listened to this show before who shared their stories, very important to share the stories to try to get other people to avoid the same kind of uh, physical dilemma. It's it's global. It's a global issue, people smoking like chimney stacks. Uh, hopefully, uh, his plea to all of you out there is even if you've been a smoker, even if you've been smoking like a chimney stack, just stop. Really, just stop. Take the words of Paulie, who's got one foot in the grave, and he knows it, and just wants to make sure that his wife is uh, taken care of when he goes to the hereafter. It's because of smoking those cancer sticks. This is Another Side of Midnight with Curtis Lewa. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa. Oh, it was great. I remember watching Get Smart with Don Adams as Maxwell Smart, inept, dysfunctional. Remember how he had that phone embedded in his shoe and never could seem to use it? Secret agent man, right? Well, I asked this question. Who is Agent 99 in Get Smart? Who was Agent 99? I think Get Smart was on for about five years. Mid-60s, early 70s. It was great. Because it was the reverse of James Bond, you know, where everything was slickly done, he was perfect. Here you had Get Smart. I mean, he was the most dysfunctional, dopey, okey-dokey guy you'd ever want to know with a phone embedded in his shoe that never seemed to work. Who was Agent 99? Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And so, as you see, we have yet to talk about taking this uh, leaky, geeky guy in Massachusetts, 21 years old, and putting him up against the wall and blowing his brains out, executing him, or putting him in jail, Leavenworth, triple life without parole. Haven't done any of that. Uh, Don't intend on doing that because, remember, the most important portion of this thing of ours, theater of the mind, radio, is entertainment. And I think a lot of our colleagues have forgotten that. You know, they just repeat. It's repetitious. Say the same things over and over, like beat you to death. And I know for some of you, it's like you go to the diner, you order turkey and mash. It's the same order you put in day in, day out. 
And you know what? The waiter or waitress, they see you coming in uh, out of the parking lot. They already know to put the uh, order with the short order cook. They know what the, hey, turkey and mash, uh, Phil's coming in. That's not what talk radio should be. It should be unexpected. It should be spontaneous. It should be improv. None of it should be scripted. Again, I truly believe is this is the most intimate form of communication. I would much rather hear from you than so-called experts or guests because they have no sense of humor. They have sort of a pre-written uh, thing that they've memorized, and they make, for the most part, boring radio. Look at how many interesting uh, callers have given us information the wee hours of the morning in which we've learned a hell of a lot. We've had a few belly laughs. We've been entertained. And, boy, this has been great theater of the mind. But it's going to continue because we got to talk about Vladimir Putin up next. How many times can you predict that one guy is going to die like was just done this past week? And guess what? He took a licking uh, in the Daily Mail and other publications, and this guy, this SOB, just comes back ticking. Doesn't matter what they claim that he has. We're stuck with Putin. Check this out. On the weekend, take a journey with the people's mayor. Curtis Sliwa is the politician who says don't trust politicians. It's another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa. The iconic, the legendary Curtis Lewa. This city doesn't sleep, and neither does Curtis Lewa on another side of midnight. Oh, yeah. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa. This is Top 40 with a Kalishnikov bullet in the clubs of Mother Russia. When they play this song, you better get up and dance. You better do the jiggle wiggle because those agents of Vladimir Putin will take that as an offensive gesture that you're not up and dancing because it has been top shelf five star now the number one song in mother russia ever since the invasion of the ukraine over a year ago and interesting because let's see our cia criminals in action who've never been right about anything they have an open checkbook it's a rogue agency they establish their own rules and regulations on the fly they're answerable to nobody they claim that Vladimir Putin has serious Parkinson's disease that he's shaking. Similar to what Muhammad Ali had and Janet Reno and, yes, Yasser Arafat. 
Remember when he would talk in the waning days after steal, stealing millions of dollars uh, of our money? Uh, he uh, would have his whip, uh, his lip quiver, quivering all the time from the Parkinson's disease. They claim that Vladimir Putin is dying. That's what the Daily Mail had extensive report that they claim was from the CIA. He's had blood cancer, brain cancer. Uh, that if you look at his uh, forehand, it's all it's all bruised up from getting intravenous injections. That he has body doubles. He's afraid of people. I mean. Everything uh, under the sun, and yet the guy is taking a licking and keeps on ticking, if you believe that crap, which I don't. So we look at this situation with Vladimir Putin. And interesting that we learn from uh, this, uh, this geeky leaker there in Massachusetts, the one who had access to all these secret documents, that apparently our fair-weathered friends in Egypt, uh, the totalitarian dictator, General Zaji, or whatever the hell his name is. I remember when uh, they had toppled Mubarak and Zaji was in store, the general, and he had no medals. And now whenever he does a press conference, he has 5,852 medals dripping on his suit. We give uh, the Egyptians billions of dollars because they're valuable allies of the Israelis. They contain the Palestinians, and they provide information about what's going on in the Arab-speaking world because they're considered the cultural epicenter of the Arab-speaking world. In Cairo and then in Alexandria, you have the Coptic uh, Egyptians. But turns out that they were going to be providing missiles to Russia, which has had a deplete, uh, depleted missile uh, supply ever since uh, they've been firing away on Zelensky in the Ukraine. And we were told it was the Iranians, the Ayatollahs, who were going to be supplying him with the new missiles. Turns out it's our allies, the Egyptians, who we give billions of dollars to. Now, do you think we had a right to find out about that as taxpayers? You think uh, the government should have kept us from us? And by the way, who's getting paid off not to say anything? As the Egyptians apparently were preparing to load cargo containers of missiles into the bottom of ships in the Suez Canal and then sail them uh, over into Mother Russia. Make a lot of, a lot of rubles, a lot of rubles, and, and get uh, oil as return payments in many instances, of which Mother Russia has the second largest supply of oil in the world. So they're more than happy to barter oil for missiles. But you would think, okay, it would be a, an enemy of ours, Iran, I get it. North Korea, I get it. Turns out to be our ally, Egypt. We sustain Zaji. He remains in office. He tortures his opposition. He puts people in the gulag for just criticizing him. If you happen to be gay or lesbian or, my God, that's it for you. You better leave Egypt. It's going to be hell, a hell of a price to pay there. We prop him up. We keep him in office. And yet, look at what he's doing with the Russians. And how do we find out about that? Not from our government. Oh, no. We find out about this from the geeky leaker that so many of my fellow co uh 
talk show hosts and hostesses want to have executed, put into prison, triple life without parole. That's nonsense. Nonsense. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Loretta, who's calling from Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here at WABC. Loretta. Good morning, Curtis. How are you doing? Uh, any moment this front tooth of mine is going to come flying out, and I know I'm going to be racked with pain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I have to say I'm very sorry about tuna. Um, I know. I've been there many times. And I was mad at God for a while uh, for giving them such a short lifespan. Hmm. Yeah, I was really pissed off. Cats and dogs and horses, you know, we hold them so dear to us. They mean so much in our lives. They enrich our lives, and they're service animals. And then I had to resign myself to the fact that, well, thy will be done, not mine. Mm. And you do the best thing. Papa was right. It's the kindest thing to do when nothing else can be done. And I had to explain to my doctor years back, I had a Hasidic doctor, and she didn't understand about euthanasia. And um, I told her I loved them enough to give them a good life, and I had to love them even more to give them a good death. Hmm. And and it's true. It, it's very hard to do. Uh, but but if you put their their needs before your own, you will do it. Yeah, yeah and I, I think, uh, Loretta, what uh, I've learned from watching cats uh, in their waning uh, days is just like human beings who suffer in inordinate pain, just incredible pain, the body is uh, ready to release the soul. It's basically saying that's it. It, it can't do it any longer. Animals go through the same thing, except they can't express themselves the way humans can. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one of my brothers couldn't do it, and um, the other one did it because it was him and his wife. So, you know. And but I did it. I had to do it. My husband didn't want any part of it, but you have to do it when you put their needs before your own. Otherwise, it's a selfish love, mm. and mm. you don't want them to suffer. We don't want. Or any of our loved ones to suffer. True. And there are some states where that pill is legal um, for end-of-life care. I forget what it is. It's becoming more um, accepted now, a, a physician-assisted suicide. Yeah, no, no, I mean, you look at uh, scenarios of how people suffer. Uh, incredible pain, how they're no longer in control and their mental or physical faculties, and people will have them on a resuscitator for years and years and years. That that, that just does not make any sense. Does no, not you don't make want, any you sense. You don't want to be a vegetable. You don't want someone else to be a vegetable. Um, but what I called about was uh, I know who Agent 99 was. Who? who? Barbara Feldon. That's right, Barbara Feldman, who was the great sidekick of Don Adams, Maxwell Smart. And she did voiceover work more than acting because of that deep, clear voice. Mm, she had that sultry voice, right? Yeah, you're very sultry. And never mind about being an old white chick, I know the lyrics to my favorite Bob Marley song, Adam and Eve. Wow, you know the lyrics to Adam and Eve. My... my uh, Favorite DJ back then, 
my reggae guy, had me singing it on the air for my 73rd birthday. He gave me a 73rd birthday. I will never forget. I was so excited, and I tried to give him a heads up that I can't sing, but he made me do it anyway. So if you're in for some torture, I could do it. (laughs) Oh, absolutely, because... uh... There are a lot of folks, they're leaving clubs right now thinking maybe they should go uh, to an after-hours place to play dancehall reggae where they can put their guns in the air like they just don't care, whether it's Peter Tosh or uh, Bob Marley. Uh, You could give it a spin. Well, this all comes from my love of Harry Belafonte because we didn't have reggae here in the 50s. We had Calypso, and Harry is the one who brought it here. So... Here we go. The Lord named Adam and Eve to give a happy life in the Garden of Eden, but they disobeyed. I want to know why they sinned in the Garden of Eden. It's a devil man's affair in the shake of a serpent. And they broke the fruit of life, and every one of us is living in sin. Let me tell you something, uh, Loretta. (laughs) Uh, Hearing that, you know uh, what I would have done if you were Eve and I was Adam? I would have, after that rendition uh, of Adam and Eve, uh, Bob Varley's edition, I would have eaten the Macintosh apple and hoped that I would have gone straight to hell without an asbestos suit. You do realize, Loretta, you, you were not blessed with a singing voice. I told you that. Well, I'm tired now. In, in my defense, I'm tired now. But um, uh, what was I going to say? Yeah, well, uh, that's enough for you, Loretta. You've said and sung enough. Oh, my God. Did you hear that, Avery? That was like uh, an insult to every Rastafari out there. Your blood clot, your Yankee man, your rude boy. With their jiffy pop hats, smoking their spliffs, talking about how highly Selassie is God, the former emperor of Ethiopia who actually visited Jamaica. He landed in Kingston. He came off the airplane. They didn't realize he was only like five foot tall. He gets off the airplane, and there are all these Rastafari out there. Oh, he's Ja, he's Ja, got it. He looked at all of them and just got back in the plane and flew back to Ethiopia. Said, these people are crazy. But that's because they smoke, you know, that gun, strong stuff. You see a five-foot guy coming off an airplane, right? Looks like a shorty short, and then you're thinking, he's Ja, he's God. Then we had to listen to Loretta's rendition. Made me want to impale myself with this microphone here. Anybody who is into uh, dancehall reggae music uh, probably had uh, decided that from now on uh, they were going to boycott WABC. The acronym stands for Always Broadcasting. Kurt, it's known for the most eclectic choice of music ever played on these airwaves, except you never know it from that Utreditor, that Judas, Avery. Wait till you hear it later on in the show. That's why you got to stay awake till the break of dawn. This guy actually is now like 
a homie to James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly. Oh, they're like two peas in a pot, a soup in a carriage, a horse, a soup in a sandwich, a what? Uh, <laughs> a soup in a sandwich. Right, a Republican single. A uh, soup in a sandwich, a horse in a carriage. Can I say that? A horse in a carriage. My wife hates the horse carriage industry. Uh, like two peas in a pot. Is that, is that okay? Yeah, yeah. I don't know if there's anything homoerotic about that, but all I know is a lot of WABC listeners have been dropping dime on you, Avery, telling me you've been cheating on me. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Dennis in Nassau County. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Dennis. Hey, how you doing, Curtis? How's uh, your front tooth treating you? Well... Uh, I'm telling you, I after having listened to Loretta sing uh, a Bob Marley song about uh, the Garden of Eden, I, I, I don't think I could feel any worse than I feel right now. I was going to say, does she does she order out? I'm going to give her a call, but she I give her Eva effort because if I sang on public radio that you're on right now, I'm convinced. The FBI would be after me, convinced. I, I heard the answer was Barbara Feldman, okay, with uh, Don Adams. I was wondering uh, if you ever knew that Don Adams was a decorated war hero, Second World War. And the way he told the story, and he didn't tell it too many times, what happened was they, they had some sort of landing. I don't know where it was. I believe it was in the Pacific. And he, he was like one of the last survivors. Everybody got shot on the beach. He was one of the last to survive, and he made a promise to God he'll become a devout Catholic and just live a better life. And you know what, Curtis? That's exactly what he did. Very frugal man. You know, uh, you remember you remember those episodes where they had the talking the shoe phone? Yeah, you yeah. Remember that? Yeah. Do you know, do you know the government who was ever in charge, the U.S. government intelligence agencies, they went after the writers on that show, and it was Mel, it was, uh, Mel Brooks. Because that stuff was actually in use, by the, according to what I read. They said, where did you get this information? And he turned around and said, I wrote it. He said, I'm going to write it. That's what I, that's what I do. And, and uh, Mel Brooks, he was uh, another war hero. He actually dismantled landmines. You know? Well, I had no idea what I what I knew about uh, Don Adams uh, of uh, Maxwell Smart of Get Smart was that he had gone to DeWitt Clinton High School in the Bronx on Mashula Parkway when there were like 4,000 old guys there. I just yeah, yeah. went, uh, I uh, did my shiver for Marty uh, Singerman, who used to be the publisher of The Post, a very dear friend of Rupert Murdoch and my friend uh, Johnny Legit. Uh, I know he also went to uh, DeWitt Clinton High School. Just so many uh, guys who yeah. came out of DeWitt Clinton High School who went on to really excel. And remember, that was just a local high school. It wasn't a specialty high school, like right next to it, the Bronx High School of Science. In fact, the Clinton yeah. guys used to go and steal the uh, milk money from the Bronx High School of Science guys running for the train. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. There's an awful lot of that in those days. You now, know? now, how did you find out about Don Adams? I, I do a lot of reading, you know. I just happened to uh, my daughter say, "Hey, Dad, do you who, who, who's this guy? Get smart." You know, it was before her time, and I explained, you know, the show and the premise of the show and everything else like that, you know. And then I and then I read it, 
And I said, wow, this is this is interesting stuff. But the thing about it is, Curtis, you never hear the good things like this. Never. You know what I'm saying? No, no, you you but, never do. You never do. You know, uh, you know, you did that eulogy for your cat, uh, Tuna. Yes. You know, I, I'm I'm telling you, you should make that into a record. I don't think there was a dry eye left when we heard that, because we've all suffered that way. We the, the loss of you know an animal that's close to us. Are you man, you knock him dead with that one. You know. Well, remember, I like, remember I like that the swagger man standing next to me. What do you got to say about that, loudmouth? You know. <laughs> yeah, no, no. He's um, he's never had pets. He, he has no idea. He's so into himself and his, uh, you know, his world where he now gets to go to these clubs at night. He, he gets to, you know, rub elbows with freakazoids, jet setters, trendoids. It's not the reason you become a mayor, but I will tell you this. Uh, although I've always had pets in my life, dogs and cats when I grew up in Canarsie and then dogs when I was in the Bronx forming the Guardian Angels, I yeah, never, yeah. never had been as close as uh, I am to the cats that Nancy now rescues from death uh, at the Fantastic. animal shelters because because there were so many of them. You realize yeah, sure. they all have their own unique personalities. Yeah, they're like your fa- sure. family members. I'd come back. Uh, I'd have a bad day. Nancy didn't want to be around me. The other cats wouldn't want to be around me. And there was Tuna. Tuna was like always at my side because she could barely see. You know, she had diabetes. She had all kinds of neurological problems. And she would hear my voice and she would just come and nestle under my arm. And it's yeah. almost like she actually wanted to listen to me because she was AARP and I was AARP, and she put All up right. with my she put up with my nonsense, which uh, I will never forget. I will take that to my grave. Oh sure, sure you do. Cats, dogs, you you have that attachment. You you just can't let go. You no, know what I'm no, no, you can't. I mean, we sat shiver eight days uh, for uh, for our beloved tuna. Uh, beautiful, very small, very diminutive, smaller than a kitten, uh, a uh, Russian blue cat. Uh, but if people yeah. people want to see it, Dennis, if they actually want to view it, they can see the half-hour videos that we do every week about animal welfare issues. You just uh, go, um, it's special at WABC, the WABC YouTube site, you uh, type in. Uh, Red Apple Media, you'll see eight episodes. Uh, Nancy puts these together, and uh, we did a tribute to Tuna. You can see all the videos when she brought her home from the shelter, and she was falling and couldn't get up, like the Medic Alert uh, commercial on how she nursed her back to health and how she she, uh, was treated by the other cats uh, as she entered into the colony. And it it really, it, it makes you want to cry. It makes you want to cry. The preciousness of these animals who don't ask anything of us. Nothing. You got your kids. They always got their hand out. Your grandchildren, sometimes they're worse. Everybody you're suspicious of. Why are they talking to you? Why do they have interest in you? What are their ulterior motives? And yet with the animals, it's just pure love. And then to see others abuse those animals, torture them, whip them, sadists like Clockwork Orange, 
and then uh, even more so than those uh, who commit those same abuses uh, to human beings. You really want to make them pay the price because you say, well, what, what choice does an animal have? It can't leave. It's, it's a prisoner in your domicile, dog or cat or other animals. Oh, yeah. We miss uh, tuna badly, although as tuna departed, uh, Whiskers, uh, who Nancy had rescued from the shelter also, who was going to be euthanized, destroyed at any moment while pregnant. Didn't matter to them. Nobody wanted to uh, adopt uh, Tuna, so that's it. Put her on the execution block, even though she's pregnant. And she brought six kittens into the world. Uh, Nancy acted as a midwife. who was like 2 o'clock in the morning. And I was up uh, for most of that. But I had to get here in the morning, early in the morning, to join Sid Rosenberg at 7.05, as I do every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And Nancy uh, Whiskers accepted Nancy as a midwife. And the other cats, they leave her alone. Uh, they don't bother the six brand-new kittens who have come into the world. Uh, it's true of humans. We lose some of our loved ones, those that we've grown fond of, and then suddenly there are others who replace them in our lives, much younger, obviously. Hopefully we can have uh, some uh, impact on their lives. Uh, We can help mold them, mentor them uh, before it's time for us to leave. Although I will tell you this, Broadway, Bill Lee and Avery, my wife was again talking to me like when it's my time to kick the bucket She wants to do a Ted Williams to me. She wants to put me out there in Arizona where they freeze you, you know, in perpetuity so that if they can come up with a way to deal with whatever uh, ailment uh, caused your life uh, to be uh, taken from you, that you can then be revived and that suddenly uh, you'll be like resurrected. She wants to put me out there with Ted Williams. I told her, you know, they chopped Ted Williams' head off. She goes, well, if they tell me we got to do that to your cadaver, we'll do it. And then the other thing she wants to do, I don't know where she got this notion from. She wants to stuff me and then put me in the chair that I sit on so that the cats can perch themselves on my shoulders and my lap And they'll think it's like, oh, the way Curtis used to be, except he's not talking uh, a mile a minute like he normally would, which generally makes them go and hide, except Tuna and Hope, who is also no longer with us, a great calico cat who put up with all my nonsense. Hey, well, what do you think of that, Avery? Uh, Nancy wants me to be Ted Williams. I forget what they call it, uh, chronologicalized. Uh, what, what do they call that? Chronologicalized, yeah, you know, in a vat of, like, dry ice preserved until they come up with a cure for whatever it was that ailed me or took my life. Right next, side by side with Ted Williams. I told her, they chopped his head off. She goes, well, if we got to do that, we'll do that. And then she said, but better, we'll stuff you. What do you mean? Like uh, in the old days, a hunter would go out there and shoot a moose, and then they would stuff the moose, you know, like Teddy Roosevelt. You go out there and Oyster Bay, Long Island, everything was stuffed, all the animals that he had gone after and hunted. By the way, I don't don't want to mention that to Nancy, uh, that he was a hunter who would then end up stuffing uh, them and turning them into trophies. 
she would probably be cursing out his name. Although, Frank Morano, that mamaluke, when asked the question by one of the callers, who he has that segment, you can ask me any question except don't ask me my age. Who would you like to have dinner with, alive or dead? And out of all the people that Frank Morano could have chosen, because, you know, he ain't paying for the dinner. He's got alligator arms. Uh, he throws nickels around like manhole covers. He chose Teddy Roosevelt. And then I had to say, hey, your, your names and your family, Carmine, your son's name is Carmine, your father's name is Carmine. That's a Cheech. That's a Zip name. That's a Siciliano. You know what happened? The greatest mass lynching in American history was not against African Americans. Well, they, they were being lynched on a regular basis. But a mass lynching was down in New Orleans when they uh, grabbed these Sicilians out of jail and they hung them. And then when Teddy Roosevelt was asked by the New York Times, what did he think of that? He said, hey, they should have hung more. And that's how we ended up getting Columbus Day as sort of like, oh, restitution, so to speak. Not 40 acres and a mule. They gave the Italian-Americans Columbus Day to celebrate because they realized what Teddy Roosevelt said was so off the hook. Can you believe this Mama Luke Frank Morano would want to sit and have a, a, a meal with Teddy Roosevelt who wanted to kill Sicilians or at least have others do it? And then gloat over it. Marquan am I, this guy. Self-hating Siciliano, yeah. A zip, a cheech. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. This is Another Side of Midnight with Curtis Lewa. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa. Remember that? You remember Rocket J Squirrel? By the way, what was J? What did it mean? Rocket J Squirrel and Bowwinkle. What did that J mean? Our number is 1 800 848 9222. That's 1 800 848 WABC. And I think uh, I remember seeing. Uh, Rocket J. Squirrel and Bullwinkle from about 1960 to 64, right in the middle of the Cold War, when Nikita Khrushchev, remember, had taken off of his shoe and the General Assembly of the United Nations beat it down in a vodka rage and said, we will bury you. And I always wanted to know who was more popular. Was it Rocket J. Squirrel or his buddy Bullwinkle? And where did they live? Because remember, they lived in a house as they were battling uh, Boris Badenov and Natasha Fatal. Remember that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, those were the Russian agents. 
And by the way, who did the Russian agents, Boris Badenov and Natasha Fatali, answer to? Our number is 1-800-848-9222. at 1-800-848-WABC. A real blast from the past. Let's go to Paul in New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Paulie. Curtis, it's Paul from Poughkeepsie. Yes, Paul. Calling about Get Smart, just a quick observation. Sure. The first first opening of the show, when he was driving up, for the first three or four years, he was in a Sunbeam Tiger. The last year, they changed it to a Carmen Ghia. The rest of the opening was totally the same, but for some reason, they changed the car. And I was I thought that was very curious. Why do you think that was? No idea. I know the Sunbeam Tiger was a great car. Mm. But mm. uh had to be something to do with advertising, I would think. Maybe Volkswagen started advertising with them. Who knows? Were you a fan of Get Smart? I was. I was. We're both the same age. So a lot of the shows you're talking about, like Rocket J, I think J stand for Jet. Rocket Jet Squirrel. All right. Now, who was more popular, though? Was it Bullwinkle or Rocket? Bullwinkle was probably more popular. And yet, Rocket J. Squirrel was the brainiac, and Bullwinkle was sort of a dullard. Well, it seems like the sidekicks were always a little bit more popular. Hmm. Hmm. That may have accounted for, I think, uh, when they changed networks, they ended up calling it the Bullwinkle Show. They, it's almost like, yeah, there was still Rocket J. Squirrel, but he was like no longer a primary character. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. I think. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. But if uh, I remember correctly, because in the middle of the Cold War, that was the absolute best. And then remember, the segue would be to uh, uh, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, Dudley Do-Right, and his steed that he would choose over his girlfriend, Nell. <laughs> and now to find out that the RCMP, Royal Canadian Mounted Police, don't even have horses. Amazing. So Amazing. disappointing. So disappointing. But you remember, again, uh, just to reconnect me, the initial car that... Uh, Sunbeam Tiger. Sunbeam Tiger. And that's when he rolled up uh, in the first scene. Right, and stopped right in front of the building and went into the doors and that deal. And uh, what was the vehicle that replaced that again? Pretty sure it was a Carmen Gear, Volkswagen Carmen Gear. Wow. Well, I tell you what, we're going to ask uh, some of our listeners uh, who were uh, into Get Smart, because I know a lot of people were into Get Smart. It was the uh, complete opposite of uh, <laughs> the complete opposite of everything that had come before, which was uh, essentially James Bond. The reverse of James Bond, special agent, Maxwell Smart, a.k.a. Don Adams. Why did they swap out cars? Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Brian in Manhattan. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Brian. Hi, Curtis. Uh, Good to speak with you. I'm calling about the man who phoned in from New Jersey, um... You know, the man with all that integrity and that quiet courage and his concern about his wife. 
and I want to give them an alternative, and also you and your audience. Uh, is that okay? Sure. You've heard of Gary Knoll, right? You Abs- must have. Absolutely. Okay, okay. You've got a positive. Uh, I can hear your positivity and your voice about Gary. Um, okay, so that's the alternative. L- let me just say, I, I, don't, I want to go on as um, as little as possible. I want to keep this short. But what I say when I speak with people about Gary Null, and I'm far from being a true believer in Gary, is that he's our single best overall educational resource. And he's doing, in my estimation, more good for more people in more ways than anyone else that I know of. Although there are a lot of other people around, such as yourself and Nancy, whom I really uh, appreciate. Uh, who are doing a lot of good for people. He's got a Ph.D. in public health and clinical nutrition. He resides in Texas and in New York, and he has his office in New York. And um, I would say that, I'll put it like this, it's highly probable that this man will die from the treatments that he's getting, in my estimation, as a layperson informed layperson, and it's highly probable that he will could be brought back to a complete state of health despite all the smoking that he's done in the past, uh, you know, working with Gary. And Gary's uh, business or organization is, is a nonprofit. He's not after your money, as you know. And um, it's Gary Nolan Associates. So he works with MDs. He's got that Ph.D. in public health sciences, clinical nutrition, and he's happy to work with anyone's doctor or doctors. So it's Gary Nolcom, and um, he also – is it okay if I mention – oh, he, yeah, it would be okay. Well, you can stop me if it's not okay. No, no, no. Look, has, I'm, 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 I'm very, very familiar with uh, Gary Noll over the years, having seen him on – NPR, I believe I listened to him on WBAI, holistic uh, homeopathic practitioner, of which my oldest sister, Alita St. James, is exactly uh, in a similar vein, believing in uh, holistic and homeopathic remedies instead of, uh, like, um, in many instances, when people are diagnosed with cancer, immediately they start with a chemotherapy, which is going to kill a lot of uh uh, good blood cells in addition to the bad blood cells, uh, the radiation treatments, all that, it depletes uh, depletes your body. Uh, so um, I would suggest uh, that people uh, who realize that they're, they're living life not to its fullest, but in the tail end of their career because they're being prescribed chemotherapy or they're being prescribed radiation, uh, that they try some alternatives. Because um, uh, there are choices out there. You make the choice that you feel will be in your best situation. Gary Nolan is not a bad choice. And there are other holistic homeopathic practitioners. Uh, I've had treatments from them, from kin- kinesiologists who match up minerals uh, uh, to see if uh, they have a more of an impact on your body as opposed to somebody else's body. You should be open-minded to all these things. I've dealt with doctors who have said, "Oh no, that that, that that's uh, that's fakery. That's uh, 
That's like the way they used to uh, view uh, chiropractic care years ago when they considered that like voodoo, witchcraft. Now it's mainstream. Or like vitamin C in the 60s. They actually thought that vitamin C was an attempt to ruin the American Medical Association, which uh, said, no, no, uh, vitamin C is not something you should use for the common cold, which is ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. So, yeah, the more different therapies, the more different options that are available out there, you should inform yourself of them and then do what you feel is in the best interest of yourself, your loved ones, your friends, and others. And if you've had good experiences, whether it's with chemotherapy or radiation or holistic or homeopathic treatment, well, then share that with other people because they need to know. You know, it brings us to our colleague, Bernard McGurk, who's no longer with us. His studio has been dedicated in perpetuity where we all broadcast from, the Bernard McGurk studio. But think about it. He died much too early in his life because he did not get a PSA test. I cannot stress it more highly. Since uh, we've talked about cancer, a number of calls, it is something that affects so many people at so many different levels. But think of it. There are men out there who will tell you straight up they're not going for a PSA, a simple blood test, a prick of the finger, to determine whether they uh, uh, have a high level that might require getting further procedures to see if, in fact, the uh, prostate cancer in uh, you needs to be dealt with. A lot of times, it's not a sufficient amount, and it's left. Uh, it's better to just leave it alone used to be the only remedy was surgery, surgery, surgery. And now there is a whole panoply of different uh, methods to relieve yourself of a diagnosis of uh, prostate cancer. But you first have to get the simple prick of the finger of a blood test. And you should start doing so at 40 years old. You know, the uh, medical uh, fraternity and sorority of America will tell you, yeah, you don't need to be start doing it until 55, bull feathers. You start doing it at 40. Likewise, uh, we just uh, went through uh, colon cancer month, colon cancer, which takes so many lives needlessly because people will not get a colonoscopy. Yeah, yeah, it's a protrusion into your uh, posterior. I've actually had a uh, colonoscopy and an endoscopy at the same time where they put the probe down your throat to see if you're suffering from reflux or any problems in your esophagus and then the probe simultaneously up your tochus, and when they meet in the middle, you should all start doing that at the age of 40. They're going to tell you, ah, you don't have to worry until 55. Bullfeathers. Bullfeathers. So on behalf of Bernard McGurk, let's make sure that his uh, life was not lost in vain, that it has affected many of you, especially women out there, so that you... uh, Nag, beseech, just you're all over the men in your life to uh, make sure they get that PSA, that simple blood test. They should be going for a test once a year starting at the age of 40. And 99% of those who are diagnosed with uh, prostate cancer will have it uh, alleviated. But you got to be tested first. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. 
You're going to learn a lot if you listen to Curtis. It's another side of midnight. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa. Remember this theme from the Dr. Zhivago movie, which I thought it was odd that they chose Omar Sharif, although at that time he was uh, one of the great actors. Uh, his roles uh, were so good in so many uh, different uh, movies that were available to the general public. But he was an Egyptian, and yet he could play all these parts, and you would never sort of think of him in that context. But if I remember correctly, when I saw Dr. Zhivago, it was about World War I and then the lead-in to the uh, Bolshevik Revolution of uh, Lenin, not John Lenin, but Vladimir Lenin. And uh, another great role was by Rod Steiger. And this guy had so many great roles. Never really got the credit that he was due. Who played the female lead, though, in Dr. Zhivago? Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Speaking of Egypt, which we learned uh, from the uh, 21-year-old who turned out to be the geeky leaker from Massachusetts, that... Uh, the new totalitarian dictator that we supported in office replacing uh, Mubarak. I think it was in, like, 2011. Remember they had the uh, revolution in Tahia Square in Cairo? I think they had as many as 32 million people packed in there. Forced Mubarak out to Sharm el-Sheikh, uh, where they basically had him under house arrest until he died. They brought him back to uh, Cairo, but... Uh, they uh, installed a Zaji, who was a general, who never wore any medals uh, on his uh, jacket. And then suddenly he would do press conference after press conference and the medals grew exponentially. And you say, where did he get all these medals from? And the guy, if you were a critic, forget about it. Yeah, they'd lock you up. Gay or lesbian, no chance for you. They'd lock you up. And I mean nasty prisons in Cairo and throughout Egypt. Uh, they have no tolerance for dissent, and yet we give them billions and billions of dollars as our ally in the Middle East because they're considered the epicenter of culture in the Arab-speaking world, the largest uh, country with population. And a lot of people look to Egypt in the Arab-speaking world, and they've been good allies of the Israelis ever since uh, that Camp David peace accord was negotiated by Jimmy Carter, with Menachem Begin, uh, and Anwar Sadat. Nobody ever thought that a piece like that would ever be negotiated. It was. A credit to Jimmy Carter, who himself is in hospice now in Plains, Georgia. Menachem Begin, who, uh, to his credit, sent the Israeli Air Force in and took out the nuclear reactor outside of Saddam Hussein's Baghdad long before we went to war against Saddam Hussein a, in the Persian Gulf campaign to start with Bush 41 and then eventually for the weapons of mass destruction that we're still looking for, uh, Bush 43 and Cheney. Yeah, 
nonsense. But there was that moment. I mean, there was that moment. And uh, it's just like it's all coming back to me. But Omar Sharif, the last time I heard from him, he was living in that vicinity of Tahir Square when the revolution was taking place, and he was screaming at the top of his lungs on his balcony of his condo, shut up, I got to get some sleep, shut up. You know who I am? Omar Sharif. His wife had passed on. He was suffering dementia, Alzheimer's. I know that my own grandfather, Fidel Bianchino, did that when he had dementia and Alzheimer's. He's screaming at the top of his lungs at like 3, 4 in the morning and imagining things that just weren't there like so many people who end up getting afflicted by that disease. But the great Omar Sharif, they had to basically uh, take him away and sedate him. He was so out of control and then eventually passed on. But it had to be tough for him as an actor. had to be. I mean, think of it. How many primetime Arabic-speaking, Arabic-raised actors ever had an opportunity to make it in big-time movies in Hollywood. Oh, he was magnificent as that doctor. Uh, I forget what his name was, because uh, obviously he was playing a Russian, a Russian in Dr. Zhivago. And who was the lead female that was having a relationship, if I remember, with Rod Steiger and then with Omar Sharif? 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Mitch in Pennsylvania. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Mitch. Let's get Mitch in. Yeah, you yeah, got it. Yes, sir. Yes, you're coming in loud and clear. Loud and clear here in Pennsylvania. After midnight, the interference goes down. I don't know why. But uh, it starts to come in really loud. So here I am. But anyway, uh, yeah, the, ch- the car that uh, uh, gets smart. In the opening of the film, the opening of the of the show every week was the same opening where he would drive up to the building and run out and go into the building. That car was a sunbeam. The opening was shot in 64. Now, they reshot it again for color in 65, I guess. Same opening, I guess. I mean, there must be some nuances, but it's a different opening, but almost the same car. It's still a sunbeam, but then... The show went from NBC to CBS in 68. They reshot the whole beginning. It was not the same beginning, and it was a Carmen Ghia. They You couldn't get a sunbeam anymore. And secondly is you imagine this world-renowned spy driving up in a five-year-old car. Right, come on, what kind of spy is that? You know, the guy's <laughs> got to have the latest model, and they figured, you know, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, it would be embarrassing for him to show up in a five-year-old sports car so they had to put him in something that was flashy you know like in the movie catch me if you can that guy drove around in a, in a sports car he wanted to be like uh like james bond and so basically that's it they reshot the film with a with a newer i don't sunbeams weren't around that long they were they were not a dependable you know anything about by by they had a sunbeam curtis no they were not a dependable car. They were always being worked on. You were underneath that thing all the time. Wow. Anyway, uh, now where in Pennsylvania are you calling from? Well, it's a college town named uh, Swarthmore, Pennsylvania, with a college named Swarthmore. And it's about, if you were to 
jump on the train just west of Philly here, you take an eight-mile ride into Center City. So that's how close it is. Now, I will tell you this. The reason that the signal, the 50,000-powerful watts of sound, which can now be heard at this time in the morning in 38 states, parts of Canada, a sliver of Europe, and right on down to Davy Jones's locker between the Bahamas and Bermuda, is because a lot of the smaller AM stations are powered down uh, once it gets late at night. Their signals are no longer up. They're like part-time stations, and that clears the airwaves so that uh, suddenly this station booms. But then again... No matter day or night, if you get the app and you listen to it on your iPhone or your smartphone, you're going to hear it crystal clear all over the world. Except I don't think in Antarctica, which is melting as we speak the continent, I don't think the uh, penguins and the walruses can get the reception at 770 AM WABC on that ice flow. Although it is landmass Antarctica, not the North Pole. Uh, and then you can get it with the streaming... Uh, the stream that you get on your laptop computer or your worktop computer, crystal clear, whether you're in uh, Kabul, Afghanistan, or Baghdad behind the green wall uh, where all the embassies are in the heart of Iraq. So remember, don't go anywhere. I'm going to keep you up to the break of dawn, and you've got to keep stride with me. Check this out. On the weekend, Ufa. take a journey with the people's mayor. Curtis Lewa is a politician who says don't trust politicians. It's another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa. The iconic, the legendary Curtis Lewa. This city doesn't sleep, and neither does Curtis Lewa. On another side of midnight. Oh, yeah. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa. I have one thing to say. You better work. Snaps up. Oh, yeah, RuPaul. Somehow I find that in my translation of RuPaul, Drag Race, as the preeminent drag queen in the world, no doubt, that I believe if we were to follow her genealogical chart, you like that word, genealogical, boy, that tooth is ready to fly out. There's no doubt about it. It's quivering and wavering. So if I'm uh, screaming in pain, you'll know why. It's ready. I know. I've had this happen before on the air. You've known that. Some of you have listened to me, and then it's excruciating pain. But then, again, having to look at RuPaul first all dolled up, and then to see him as the man that he is, it's sort of like, what? What the hell happened to you? So uh, I truly believe if we uh, follow the DNA, RuPaul is related to Ron Paul, the former congressman of Texas, the ophthalmologist who had run an independent campaign for the presidency of the United States, and, of course, his son. 
screwy as he oftentimes is, the libertarian Rand Paul, who, uh, unlike the senior senator, Mitch McConnell, who we haven't seen, notice, ever since they sent him away to rehab. And let me tell you something. They said he took a nasty fall and he got concussed. No, I think he's in uh, alcohol rehab. That guy was always drunk. But with Rand Paul, he smokes ropes of dope because the number one cash crop in Kentucky now is not tobacco anymore. It's weed. And them hillbillies been growing that weed for years up there in the hills of Kentucky. But anyway, I digress. The reason I'm playing this song is because so many people have been talking about Dylan Mulvaney. Dylan Mulvaney, who, without being uh, charged with espionage, has uh, sort of become the modern-day, what can we call it, private uh, Chelsea Manning, but without the espionage charge. Small, diminutive, uh, a... Well, looks like a female, but has the full package of a male, anatomically. And all of a sudden, because um, she has become a influencer of great renown, lots of followers on her Instagram account, uh, she has become, uh, I guess you would call it a promoter of Bud Light beer and of Nike, uh, those that are wearing those... uh, what can you call it? Those bras that flatten out your chest or whatever. Hey, who the hell knows, man? It's so freaky dicky to me. Yeah, work it, work it. Three snaps up. Yeah. Boot pull. Everything of late is about trannies, transsexuals, transgenders, transformers. There's so many transes, it's got my head spinning. It's like... Uh, I got vertical. I just can't imagine all this attention for such a tiny proportion of the population. You would think there were transgenders everywhere. No, but they're dominating the news cycle. And some people are freaking out about them. It's like, oh, take a chill pill. There have been transgenders throughout history going way back to Roman and Greek times. Take a chill pill. Oh, yeah, but uh, do you think they're born this way? Yes. Do you think they have an urge to become a woman or a male? Yes. But I do notice that it's one definitive uh, scenario that takes place. Guys who want to excel in uh, athletics, all of a sudden they transition to women and they go from being like last in the men's division to first in the women's division. But you never hear it the other way around. Where a female says, I really want to be a male, I want to go through transition, and then I want to compete. And then they go from being a a top-flight female competitor to a top-flight male competitor. It never happens. Or at least not that I'm aware of. You got to say that women took so long to get parity in sports, and now some guy can come in because he isn't doing well as a male athlete. Declare that he is a woman in transition, even though he's packing the three-piece set, right? All the same plumbing as a man. And start winning all the trophies. Did you see that one weightlifter? He claimed he was a woman. My God. He he, he had hair all over him, man. He looked like the... uh, How many of you remember the Toss sisters uh, who competed in the Rome Olympic Games of 1980? The Toss sisters... 
was shot for this for the old Soviet Union in the middle of the uh, Cold War. And Nikita Khrushchev had said, hey, look at the Tosh sisters. They'll beat any of the American champions. And they did. With a little benefit of uh, testosterone and steroids. And uh, they were growing beards. They could have been the bearded lady at the Coney Island Freak Show. But they were champion shot putters. They were champion in the discus throwing. I think even throwing the javelin, I think. Who remembers the Toss sisters? I think they also competed in the 64 Olympic Games uh, in Tokyo in Japan. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. So now this will be the litmus test for you, Avery, you fair-weathered friend. Oh, my God. He's actually requested to work with Bo Snurdly, a.k.a. my nemesis here. Hell no. So Bo Snurdly, who declares himself to be uh, the music aficionado here at WABC, not, has uh, had on Avery as his uh, phone screener. Now for quite a bit. Did you know that uh, Broadway Bill Lee's cheating on us? He's cheating on us. Oh, yeah. He's uh, hanging out with Diego, the board operator. Guy from Mexico, the other board operator. He's having a great old time with James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly. But, you know, Bo, he likes talking about these transgendered issues, probably more so than anybody at the station. At least he gives all the rest of it a break. <laughs> Biden sucks. Trump is great, right? I mean, I could write the script of what everybody says. But it was interesting because Bo Snurley this week said that he really didn't care who's drinking Bud Light, who's not drinking Bud Light. Come see, come saw, live and let live. And I just, I don't care about this Budweiser stuff. I don't care what beer you drink, beer, whatever, drink, whatever beer you want to drink. You don't want to drink Bud? Don't drink Bud. You want to drink it? Drink it. Who cares? You were there for that, weren't you, Avery? You were toasting him with a Bud Light. I, I remember that. You were interacting with him. Right or wrong? Notice he's hesitating to answer the question. Yeah, I was there. Of course you were there. So uh, I want to play that one more time because he's basically saying, come see, come saw, live and let live. He couldn't give a flying flip who the hell is promoting Bud Light and who is drinking Bud Light. And I just, I don't care about this Budweiser stuff. I don't care what beer you drink, beer, whatever, drink, whatever beer you want to drink. You don't want to drink Bud? Don't drink Bud. You want to drink it? Drink it. Who cares? Now, that's pretty libertarian, right? Come see, come see, I don't care. Live and let live. Uh, in fact, he'll be on from 7 to 10 in just a few hours if you want to give him a call. And then ask him if it doesn't matter to you, Bo, why did you go on and on about who is a man and who is a woman? It is indefensible to think that a man could be a woman. It just goes against everything that we are taught. Now, I understand, and I have a great deal of empathy and I, I say this every time I have to deal with this topic. I have empathy for people that suffer from dysphoria. I'm not denying that dysphoria is real. I'm not denying that there are people who don't like living in the body that they're in. Yeah. Meantime, he's uh, obsessed with talking about transgenders. 
And you know that's true, Avery. You could you could drop time on him. You could rat him out. Uh, don't worry, he's sleeping now, and he probably won't field any calls from 7 to 10 telling him uh, what you're saying about him now that you're on the right side with the Curtis Lee show with Broadway Billy instead of being with Bo Snurdly with uh, Diego and the rest of the crew, Rich Radabali, the rest of them who are the board operators and producers, right? Look at him, look at him. What, the cat got your tongue there? Am I permitted to say that, or will that upset Nancy? The cat catch your tongue there? Look at him. He's taking the fifth, the coat of Omerta. Wow, you don't want to burn your bridge with Bo Snurdly. I see, huh? Playing favorites, huh? So how is it he doesn't care who the hell drinks Bud Light, but he's like, obsessed with a man is a man and a woman is a a woman. Well, is that because I remember U.S. Senator Marsha Blackburn of North Carolina grilling United Supreme Court Justice in her confirmation hearings, Justice Jackson, who really apparently didn't know what a woman was. Can you provide a definition for the word woman? Can I provide a definition? Mm -hmm. No. Yeah. I can't provide a definition for the word word woman. I can't. Can you provide a definition for the word woman? Can I provide a definition? Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. I can't. How the hell could you not know what the hell a woman is or what a man is? And now you're a United States sitting Supreme Court justice. And then how could you forget? There are women out there now who are going to rise and shine as they are laying uh, parallel to the ground, one eye open, one eye closed with the earbuds in as they hear the female anthem of 1972. Can you play that song any longer? I mean... You know, this was like the woman's anthem, right? Estrogen over testosterone. Helen Reddy, remember? Proud to be a woman. Bo Snurdly won't play that song because he's confused, especially when we hear reverends, holy rollers, elected officials like Webster Barnaby in Tallahassee in the Florida State Legislature refer to transgenders as mutants. I'm, I'm looking at society today. And it's like I'm watching an X-Men movie uh, with people that when you watch the X-Men movies or Marvel comics, it's like we have mutants living among us on planet Earth. And, you know, some people don't like that, but that's a fact. We have people that live among us today on planet Earth that are happy to display themselves as if they were mutants from another planet. This is the planet Earth. 
where God created men, male, and women, female. I'm a proud Christian conservative Republican. I'm not on the fence. Not on the fence. Now, you know who smacked him down? It was, yes, our favorite, the TikTok woman. I pray you never get another restless night's sleep in your life thinking about what you did to women. This is not over. Not by a long shot. How dare you? Karma does not forget. And she may take some time to come back around, but she will get to you. Not on my watch. Mm, that was in defense of Dylan Mulvaney. Could I hear what the Reverend, uh, the legislator Webster Barnaby had to say again about transgenders? I'm, I'm looking at society today, and it's like I'm watching an X-Men movie uh, with people that, when you watch the X-Men movies or Marvel comics, it's like we have mutants living among us on planet Earth. And, you know... Some people don't like that, but that's a fact. We have people that live among us today on planet Earth that are happy to display themselves as if they were mutants from another planet. This is the planet Earth where God created men, male and women, female. I'm a proud Christian conservative Republican. I'm not on the fence, not on the fence. And you know who responded to him? I pray you never get another restless night's sleep in your life thinking about what you did to women. This is not over. Not by a long shot. How dare you? Karma does not forget. And she may take some time to come back around, but she will get to you. Not on my watch. The she is Dylan Mulvaney. Remember, Dylan Mulvaney. Uh, dresses like a woman, looks like a woman, but has male anatomical parts. She is uh, sort of in the eye of the storm involving Bud Light, her her endorsement of Bud Light and the Nike, uh, I guess you could call it the flattening brow. I don't know what the hell you call it. But here's what Dylan Mulvaney had to say. I was walking around and everyone was staring and I was like, oh, okay, what's going on? And they were all staring directly at my crotch. And I went, oh, I forgot that my crotch doesn't look like other women's crotches sometimes because mine doesn't look like a little Barbie pocket. Can I hear that one more time? (laughs) I was walking around and everyone was staring and I was like, oh, okay, what's going on? And they were all staring directly at my crotch. And I went, oh, I forgot that my crotch doesn't look like other women's crotches sometimes because mine doesn't look like a little Barbie pocket. Talking about her crotch, the spokesperson for Bud Light and for Nike sounds a little freaky deaky to me. I was walking around and everyone was staring and I was like, oh, okay, what's going on? And they were all staring directly at my crotch. And I went, oh, I forgot that my crotch doesn't look like other women's crotches sometimes because mine doesn't look like a little Barbie pocket. Like a little Barbie popped in. (laughs) Oh, God. How did we get to this point? You got raving lunatics on all sides of this issue. 
Then you got Bo Snurley going, hey, I don't care who drinks Bud Light. Come see, come sir. And I just, I don't care about this Budweiser stuff. I don't care what beer you drink. Beer whatever, drink whatever beer you want to drink. You don't want to drink Bud? Don't drink Bud. You want to drink it? Drink it. Who cares? I was walking around and everyone was staring. And I was like, oh, okay, what's going on? And they were all staring directly at my crotch. And I went, oh, I forgot that my crotch doesn't look like other women's crotches sometimes because mine doesn't look like a little Barbie pocket. It's indefensible to think that a man could be a woman. It just goes against everything that we are taught. Now, I understand, and I have a great deal of empathy, and I, I say this every time I have to deal with this topic. I have empathy for people that suffer from dysphoria. I'm not denying that dysphoria is real. I'm not denying that there are people who don't like living in the body that they're in. Hmm. Oh, gosh. I am strong. I am invincible. Invincible. I am one. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. And if you were confused before, you're even more confused now. It's another side of midnight now. To the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa. It was 1989. My thoughts were short. My hair was long. Caught somewhere between a boy and man. She was 17 and she was five. State of Michigan. He is best known as the Coors guy. Remember all that money he made hawking Coors? Never knew him to be a Bud Light guy. Boy, did he prove that the other day when he took offense to the fact that Bud Light was now going to be utilizing the transgender influencer Dylan Mulvaney to sell their brew. <laughs> Grandpa's feeling a little frisky today. Let me uh, say something to all you and be as clear and concise as possible. Bud Light, Anheuser-Busch. Have a terrific day. And I just, I don't care about this Budweiser stuff. I don't care what beer you drink. Beer whatever, drink whatever beer you want to drink. 
You don't want to drink Bud? Don't drink Bud. You want to drink it? Drink it. Who cares? I guess Kid Rock's not into gun control, right? <laughs> you know, some people just go out and they shoot targets, you know, target practice. He shoots up cases of Bud Light. And I just, I don't care about this Budweiser stuff. I don't care what beer you drink. Beer whatever, drink whatever beer you want to drink. You don't want to drink Bud? Don't drink Bud. You want to drink it? Drink it. <laughs> Grandpa's feeling a little frisky today. Let me uh, say something to all you and be as clear and concise as possible. What the hell? He promotes Coors, right? Bud Light's the competition. Nobody's said that, right? Nobody's made that. Of course he's going to shoot up Bud Light. It's the competition. But apparently, Budweiser, Anheuser-Busch, the Clydesdales may not get fed tomorrow because they're losing money hand over fist. Because it's not people like uh, Bo Snurdly who basically takes the attitude, come see, come saw, live and let live. Who the hell gives a damn about whether you drink Bud Light or not? And I just, I don't care about this Budweiser stuff. I don't care what beer you drink, beer whatever, drink whatever beer you want to drink. You don't want to drink Bud? Don't drink Bud. You want to drink it? Drink it. Who cares? Well, I don't know if uh, Bo Snardley had listened to the woman uh, in the eye of the storm, Dylan Mulvaney, who, when given the opportunity of explaining why it is that she, he, they, has a protrusion down below her navel. I was walking around, and everyone was staring, and I was like, oh, okay, what's going on? And they were all staring directly at my crotch. And I went, oh, I forgot that my crotch doesn't look like other women's crotches sometimes because mine doesn't look like a little Barbie pocket. It is indefensible to think that a man could be a woman. <laughs> thing that we are taught. Now, I understand, and I have a great deal of empathy, and I, I say this every time I have to deal with this topic. I have empathy for people that suffer from dysphoria. I'm not denying that dysphoria is real. I'm not denying that there are people who don't like living in the body that they're in. Man, I don't think uh, Bo Snurdly's ready for the TikTok woman. I pray you never get another restless night's sleep in your life. Whew. Anyway, our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222. W.A.B.C., let's go to Walt, who's calling from Tampa. Your turn to be heard here at W.A.B.C., Walt. Hey, Curtis, how are you? I've had better days. Well, listen, you know, between, uh, listen, Bud Light is was swills to begin with. I wouldn't drink it if they handed it to me. But <laughs> the advertising is advertising, and they do what they got to do. My... Uh, my call was referring back to a few of your topics before you were talking about get smart and Don Adams. And you do know that Don Adams was very good friends with Don Rickles. That I did not know. 
he uh, Rickles actually appeared on a few episodes, but they were very, very close. And uh, the the most famous, what is the most famous line from Get Smart? Mm, you got me, Walt. Missed it by that much. Mm, mm. Now, how come he could never get that phone that it was embedded in his shoes to work? <laughs> and the other thing that you had mentioned early, the uh, Rocky and Bullwinkle, the announcer, the guy who did the narration. Mm. Do you remember who that was? No, I do not. That was William Conrad. Wow, William Conrad. Yeah, Cannon. Yeah. Wow, William Conrad. I would never have made that connection. He also was a guy who did the introduction for Frank Sinatra live at the Sands in Las Vegas. And, uh, well, anyway, these are the bunch of useless knowledge that I have. No, no, no. It's uh, all it's all good knowledge because uh, the reason I mention that is uh, uh, that uh, your mentioning of the Sands and the introduction of Frank Sinatra at the Sands, uh, our owners and operators, John and Margot Katsimatidis, flew down to Nashville with uh, Joe Piscopo, who does the two-hour extravaganza of uh, Sinatra on Sunday night, 6 to 8, sponsored by Ramsey Monster. Uh, they've just opened up a nightclub down there dedicated to all music of Frank Sinatra. Can you believe that? Right in Nashville, so many years after he died. Well, you know, it, Nashville is is quite the divert. It's not just a country western town. I mean, I, I mean, I w- I'm a singer as well, and I was with, on the road with the Tommy Dorsey fifteen years. No, I think we lost them there. Oh, no, hold on, we got we we got you. We regenerated you up on the disquantificator. Uh, I think we got you back, Walt. Uh, yeah, I was with the Tommy Dorsey band for fifteen years, and Nashville is not just a country western town as far as music. There's some of the best musicians in the world are there. So you toured with them. Yeah, well, in 1988 till 2003, it was not the Tommy Dorsey died in 1956. That's a, well, I worked with the band, and I, you know, I'm, I do. But stuff. What was uh, what was touring like, uh, Walt? Oh, it was not uh, the glamorous stuff that you see in the movies. Not in our end of it. Uh, it was. A regular bus and stuff happened, but that's another story. I, I really wanted to tell you that listening to your program, you make me think, you make me laugh, and I really respect everything that you do. Well, that's uh, the whole goal of this program, uh, Walt, is to stimulate everyone. Uh, my job is to paint pictures. It's theater of the mind. It's to entertain. I don't like a lot of what I hear on talk radio and talk TV because it's so repetitious, so repetitious. Over and over, they keep beating on the same subjects from one show to the next show. It's so predictable. 
whereas I prefer to almost do the program as if I had uh, attention deficit disorder and could go in a million different uh, a million different locations and touch on a million different topics and throw some trivia out there to boot, which I think is uh, is so important, so important. Our number is one 800 Let's go to Eileen, who's calling from Howard Beach. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Eileen. Hi, Curtis. I just wanted to say it's Julie Christie and Dr. Zhivago. Also, William Conrad was the first Matt Dillon on the radio to play Gunsmoke on Saturdays. Wow. I just heard the gentleman before, but he was the first. Uh, Matt Dillon. Also, Curtis, I know I'm talking, I'm not allowing you to talk. Please say something about the New York City retirees that uh, your fame, infamous mayor, I'll put infamous, and that's a compliment, that uh, he's trying to shove down uh, Etna Advantage, uh, which has been downgraded 3.5 for corruption from the government, that medical plan. We won the case already. Now he's starting up again, uh, trying to give us that plan with no other choice. That's how he's doing it. And, Curtis, I'm so proud of you and your lovely wife taking care of animals, the cats. I really, uh, that's wonderful. Now, Eileen, uh, you're exactly right. During the campaign against me, uh, in order to garner uh, the votes of retirees who were civil servants who worked for the city, he took a completely different position than he takes now. Which uh, I remember. Yeah. I remember, sir. Yeah, he was, said uh, that he would look at it. That's right. It was a, f- a front-page headline in the Daily News. He said, no, 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 no. Well, we, we must honor the contracts that our civil servants had signed and what we promised them upon retirement. He said that, in fact, in one of the debates. And now look at him. He flips the script. But he's done typically what politicians do. They say anything to get elected, and then the moment they have a chance to what he calls pivot and shift or what I call flip-flop, they do it. And they do it without even thinking twice about it. No, you're correct. And I just feel that I keep putting on Facebook that the illegals are taking our medical. I said they'll be before us in the emergency ward, and we're paying for their health care. Give it to the retirees. We've done with no, between the administration, zero, zero raises raises at times. I know it also affected uniform because my son was uniform, uh, hurt during 9-11. But honor us. we're a voting constituency, even though we have no vote in our D.C. 37, which is, and I used to be a union rep, it's so crooked. And Letitia James used to be the lawyer for D.C. 37. It, D.C. 37 at one time was so crooked that Lee Saunders from AFSCME had to come in from Washington, D.C. to monitor it. I said, but our health care, Curtis, it's so important, so important. And 
We'd love to see you in Howard Beach, Curtis. Oh when yeah, no, no. Well, I'm 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 always going back and forth on Cross Bay Boulevard, Woodhaven. So if I'm visiting my two youngest sons in Forest Hills, that's Carter and Hunter, and then I go down to Ozone Park, and then I go down to the New Park Pizzeria, my favorite, which is right there on Cross Bay Boulevard. Yes, and then out to the uh, Irish Riviera. Uh, as I hit uh, Broad Channel and then out to uh, Breezy Point, Rockway, Rockway Beach, Neponset, Bell Harbor. No, I love it out there. But I wanted to ask you, uh, Eileen, you mentioned yes, that William Conrad uh, created the role of Matt Dillon on, in Gunsmoke, but the radio version, you said. Yes, he was the first person. I'm an oldie. I'm 80 years old. I used to listen to Grand Central Station and Gunsmoke on the radio and Helen Trent. But he was the first voice. And when I saw him on Canon, I said, that's the voice. I have very good memory. In fact, I'm still in college. I mean, after retiring, I went back to college. Wow. And yes, Kingsboro. But Kingsboro turned woke. It's a very bad. It's a very bad situation there. Anti-Semitic. Uh, now you know who bad. else. Uh, you know who else went to Kingsborough Community College, uh, Eileen. Don't tell me Schumer. Don't tell me that. Uh, who? Uh, Sid Rosenberg. You know, I saw him on TV earlier this week. I mentioned it, uh, and then you know, one day, Curtis, that. Uh, He talked not so nice about his chum, Eric Adams. And then the next day on TV, he's praising him. I just think it, whoa, a chameleon. I mean, he's... Yeah, well, that's uh, the Eric Adams pivot and shift to what we call the flip-flop. In fact, Eileen, uh, don't go to sleep. Stay with me to the break of dawn because we're going to be talking about that in the 5 o'clock hour after we probe in the 4 o'clock hour what a traitor, what a backstabber Avery has become because his loyalties are now with James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly. Oh, yeah. I cold-busted you, Avery. Giving information to Bo. Giving information to James Golden in my war against him when it comes to musical acumen. And you're, like, feeding him information about me. Oh. oh yeah. You busted me talking over the radio waves? Yep. A <laughs> little bit of espionage here at WABC. On the world's worth hider. Yeah, for the brother. <laughs> against the McWhitey Whitey. You see that, Broadway Billy? You see? And I just, I don't care about this Budweiser stuff. I don't care what beer you drink. Beer whatever, drink whatever beer you want to drink. You don't want to drink Bud? Don't drink Bud. Man, I'm still you not sure what you're talking it, about, drink man. It. Who cares? You drink what? No, not that, what Curtis was saying. Yeah, but meantime, James <laughs> Golden says all that. I don't care. Live and let live. Libertarian. And then he's going on and on about a man is a man and a woman is a woman. It is indefensible to think that a man could be a woman. It just goes against everything that we are taught. Now, I understand, and I have a great deal of empathy, and I, I say this every time I have to deal with this topic. I have empathy for people that suffer from dysphoria. I'm not denying that dysphoria is real. I'm not denying that there are people who don't like living in the body that they're in. Oh, well, you have have empathy for Dylan Mulvaney, who talks about her crotch uh, 
James Golden? I was walking around and everyone was staring and I was like, oh, okay, what's going on? And they were all staring directly at my crotch. And I went, oh, I forgot that my crotch doesn't look like other women's crotches sometimes because mine doesn't look like a little Barbie pocket. I'm, I'm looking at society today and it's like I'm watching an X-Men movie uh, with people that when you watch the X-Men movies or Marvel comics, it's like we have mutants living among us on planet Earth. And, you know, some people don't like that, but that's a fact. We have people that live among us today on planet Earth that are happy to display themselves as if they were mutants from another planet. This is the planet Earth where God created men, male, and women, female. I'm a proud Christian conservative Republican. I'm not on the fence. Not on the fence. I pray you never get another restless night's sleep in your life. Man, that TikTok woman is now in defense of transgenders. Woo. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. This is Another Side of Midnight with Curtis Lewa. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa. Away across USA, plucked her eyebrows on the way, shaved her legs, and then he was a she. She says, Hey, babe, take a walk on the wild side. Said, Hey, honey, take a walk on the wild side. Little Joe. Never once gave it away Everybody had to pay and pay A hustle here and a hustle there New York City is the place where they said Hey babe, take a walk on the wild side I said, hey Joe, take a walk on the wild side Sugar Pump Fairy came and hit the streets Looking for soul food and a place to eat Went to the Apollo, you should have seen him go, go, go They said, hey sugar, take a walk on the wild side I said, hey babe, take a walk on the wild side All right Just speeding away Thought she was Jim Dean for a day Then I guess she had to crash Valium would have helped that fast I said, hey babe, take a walk on the wild side I said, hey honey, 
Take a walk on the wild side and the colored girls say do 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 Lou Reed with that shaft right in his arm, injecting heroin into his veins. Hanging out in the L.E.S. Lower East Side. This was his only commercial hit. Walk on the Wild Side. Said he didn't want to create commercial music. But this one he did, and it enabled him to do all the kind of music he wanted to do because it paid the bills. That's the show, but it's a great song. It's a reflection of what New York City was like when he made this song, especially the L.E.S., the Lower East Side. Let's go, if we can, to uh, Michael from Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Mike. Curse, you're the man. Uh, yeah, that song is absolutely brilliant. Um, I know that you're not a huge fan of Lou Reed. I totally get that, but that that just sums up the Lower East Side. I've lived there for a long time. Um, but my main call is uh, about Agent 99 from Get Smart. Mm. Like, um, h- how beautiful was that girl? And the voice. I remember the sultry voice, almost like a Lauren Bacall-style voice. (laughs) Exactly. And that show was great, correct? Well, it was like a spoof on everything that we were growing up with at that time. You know, all the James Bond classics. Uh, To me, that was like, uh, well, it was typical Mel Brooks. You know, making fun of all that through his character, Maxwell Smart. It was like making fun of, like, I guess the FBI or the CIA, almost, maybe? I don't know. Yeah, I would say say because he was a secret agent, uh, CIA. (laughs) Uh, It it was just a vintage show. And uh, you're the best, Curtis. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. one other thing, uh, Avery, is he really jumping ship to the Boast Nerdly show? Because that would be, like, horrible. I'm telling you, Michael, uh, I think Boast Nerdly, a.k.a. James Golden, is trying to lure him over to his show permanently and remove him from this show, of which he is a very integral member you know, there's only three yeah. of us. There's only three of us, and we hold down, hold it down on the weekends. And uh, yeah. I think James Golden is upset the fact that I'm constantly chastising his musical selections, and he figures, you know, uh, he talks to Avery. I know Avery rats me out to uh, Bo Snerdly. <laughs> oh yeah, he's a big rat, uh, and now he's currying favor. With uh, Bo uh, Snurley, I know Bo Snurley's going to pull out his black card and say, well, I need a brother to be part of my team. Hell no. Yeah. Do, do you think he's using his, uh, uh, you know, uh, I see how to say that. Uh, it, it's, it's just uh, his, uh, you, you say it all the time. Um, 
Caucasian persuasion or something to that effect? No, yeah. his complexion not, not, is his protection, James Golden. Exactly. That's what I meant. That's yeah, the fact meant. that he's got the melanin uh, content in his skin <laughs> and I've got the Caucasoid content in my skin, he plays that as his trump card. You know, like I'm the brother... Uh, I should be mentoring Avery. Uh, I should have the brothers on my team. This is wrong. Why the hell are you giving all the brothers to Curtis late at night? But you're, like, the biggest fan of all the brothers, so I don't get it. You know, like, how could they, like, chastise you or anybody else, you know? Well, it's uh, jealousy. There's no other word, reason uh, to describe it. Yeah, no. and you got to understand, Michael, you're, you're both Snurdly or you're Dominic Carter. And you have people coming up to you, you know, and saying, you know, Curtis sounds more black than you. And yeah, that, Dominic that's, Carter is that's the whitest black guy I've ever heard on the radio. Yeah, he's he's like totally McWhitey Whitey. <laughs> Michael, the guy grew up in the hood in one of the worst public housing projects ever. 138 Third Avenue in the heart of the South Bronx, the Patterson Projects. And then he goes upstate to escape New York City. I get it. He goes to a SUNY college uh, not far from Bingington. I forget the name of it, Corning or Corning, something like that. And he goes cow tipping with the white boys in the dairy farms late at night. Cow tipping. Oh, my God. So that That is so funny. Yeah. It, it, like, I, I've been in – I worked in the South Bronx my whole life. I know. I know all of New York. Curtis, trust me. Uh, that's why I love listening to you because you've been everywhere and uh, you've been around the world. And uh, this is why your show is brilliant. And it's just to me listening to like these guys. It's it's. I I just don't. You know what I'm saying? It's, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I hope, I hope, Michael, that this sinks in to Avery, who is now being teased into potentially jumping ship. And I just, I don't care about this Budweiser stuff. I don't care what beer you drink. Beer, whatever, drink whatever beer you want to drink. You don't want to drink Bud? Don't drink Bud. You want to drink it? Drink it. Who cares? So that's who uh, Avery's. Uh, Sort of fancying to hang out with. It is indefensible to think that a man could be a woman. It just goes against everything that we are taught. Now, I understand, and I have a great deal of empathy. Really? You could have fooled me. One minute, he doesn't care about drinking Bud Light. Anybody can drink Bud Light. Why? And then the next thing is, yeah, but a man is a man and a woman is a woman. Is that the kind of guy you want to be uh, working side by side with, Avery? A guy who's like a manic depressive who goes up, up, down, up, down, up, down, can't make up his mind? No, it's you're your, your holding, you're biting your tongue because you don't want to, you don't want to mean mouth a brother. I, I understand what this is. I got to deal with it. I'll we deal. Gonna pivot and shift. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Yeah, Eric Adams, pivot and shift. We're going to pivot and shift. That's flip-flop. We're going to pivot and shift. Yeah, that's what you always say, pivot and shift. We're going to pivot and shift. Yeah, yeah, right now, uh, you pivot and shifted out of Club Zero Bond. He left there at 328 this, this morning. We're going to pivot and shift. 
What the hell are you going up to Johnny Petrosian's apartment? In the 90-story Trump Tower opposite of the United Nations, why would you be going to a felon's apartment, a convicted felon, if you were still a police officer, which you were for 22 years with the NYPD, first in transit and then the NYPD, in which you were a house mouse, always hiding in the station house, if you would have been seen associating with a felon, a known felon, they would have stripped you of your badge and gun. Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan. We're going to pivot and shift. Yeah, you pivot and shift, all right. But you, Avery, you got a lot of splaining to do, as Ricky Ricardo would say to Lucy and uh, Desi Lou's I Love Lucy. You got a lot of splaining to do. All of a sudden, James Golden is going to management saying, all of a sudden, James Golden is going to management like, yo, I can mentor this brother. Hell no. Oh, don't lie to me, James Golden. I know what's going behind the scenes here at WABC with ownership and management. You're playing the black card. And you know, in my deck, all I got is the cockasoid cards. And Avery, you're not you're not jamming them up. You're not saying no, no, no. You know I'll help you when I can, James Golden. But my loyalties to Curtis. You didn't say that, did you? Look at him; he's biting his tongue right now. What kind of offer did he make you, huh? Come on, fess up, Avery. I know he greased you up with a lettuce, a scatterol sandwich. He got that big Italian hero, opened it up, and put them dead presidents in there and just sent them COD to you. Remember, you had to pay cash on delivery. Son of a... Notice he's taking the coat of Omerta here, Avery. He doesn't want to tell us what's going on. Hush, hush, mush, mush behind the scenes. Hey, you got it all wrong, man. I cold-busted you and James Golden. You got it all wrong, man. Wait, wait. There's more coming up. <laughs> I haven't finished with you, Avery, and that traditor, that Judas. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurley and his crew, Diego and Rich Rod Bali and all these guys who claim, oh, we know music. They know nothing about nothing. They're all scratching each other's tuchuses. It's a mutual admiration society on the James Golden Show. Not here to the break of dawn, ladies. Do not go to sleep, guys and gals. Check this out. On the weekend, Ufa. take a journey with the people's mayor. Curtis Lewa is a politician who says don't trust politicians. It's another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa. The iconic, the legendary Curtis Lewa. This city doesn't sleep, and neither does Curtis Lewa on another side of midnight. Oh, yeah. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa.
you know, this is the theme song for the continued exodus of all of our fellow residents from throughout the tri-state area, south of the Mason-Dixon line. Mostly to Florida, but they're going to Georgia, North Carolina, South Carolina, Virginia, Texas, Tennessee, and parts unknown. Statistics were out. 10,000 more residents in New York City left for Florida, even though mortgage rates have skyrocketed down there. You can't find uh, or get uh, flood insurance or hurricane insurance. It's like uh, the cost of living is skyrocketing in Florida, and people don't really care. They just want to go to Florida. And then they had a, uh, a poll that indicated that a third of New York State residents from Buffalo to Brooklyn have one foot out the door. They can't wait to get the hell out of what used to be called the Empire State, but it's all rusted. And even Rustolium uh, can't knock the rust off of the steel beams. It's uh, in a very weak position. Imagine, one-third of those sampled around the state have one foot out the door. They're just waiting for mortgage rates to drop to sell their house so they can get the hell out of here. Remember, under Trump, uh, just before he left the presidency, uh, mortgage rates were at about three and a half. Three, three and a half. Now they're up there. They dropped a little bit. They were up as high as seven and a half, seven percent. They're now down to about six and a half. So it makes it kind of difficult to uh, get a buyer. So for you to unload your house, to get a buyer and um, make each other satisfied with the purchase, that's happening less and less, even though people appear to be wanting more and more to get the hell out of here. And that's true also in uh, New Jersey. Uh, The cost of living there, the taxes uh, just off the hook. Eastern Pennsylvania and Connecticut. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And with Congressman Jim Jordan bringing his Judicial Committee from the House to start taking testimony from uh, crime victims on Monday at the Jacob Javits uh, Convention Center, uh, he's going to have on uh, Jose Alba. We never heard from Jose Alba before, uh, even after he defended himself, pulled that knife out over that guy who came over the counter to threaten him and then ended up stabbing him in his jugular where the guy bled out right there on the floor while his girlfriend was trying to stab Jose Alba. Remember, he fled to the DR, Dominican Republic, Santo Domingo, because he said, hey, uh, it's dangerous for me in uh, Harlem, in Washington Heights, in Inwood. I can't live in the city of New York. It's unsafe. And the mayor never said, hey, don't leave. Uh, We want you to improve. Don't move. No. He, he fled, and they're going to be uh, mothers of crime victims who will be giving testimony to Jim Jordan's commi- committee. And I'm telling you, I don't care. I want Democrats to be part of that committee. I want Republicans. Uh, I want them uh, defending Joe Biden and the administration, the Democrats. I want the Republicans doing an inquisition. They just got to go. They got to go on the, and have an open public hearing at the Jacob Javits Convention Center. But I think one of the reasons that people like Florida, there are about 67 counties in Florida, and they all have elected sheriffs. And almost universally, all the sheriffs down in Florida are not only law and order sheriffs, but they are straight up. They'll tell you they'll never have enough deputy sheriffs to provide you with public safety in your community, whether it's a gated community, 
in your neighborhood, if you call 911, there's a pretty damn good chance that the criminals are going to make their way out of there before the police will arrive. So they actually encourage you to shoot these thugs. Can you you imagine this kind of a message up here in our northeast sector? I mean, I want you to listen intently to what this sheriff down in Florida is telling his constituents. And I want to say, uh, as to the person, we don't know what homeowner, which homeowner shot at him. Um, I guess they think that they did something wrong, which they did not. If somebody's breaking in your house, you're more than welcome to shoot them in Santa Rosa County. We prefer that you do, actually. <laughs> we prefer that you do in Santa Rosa County. I got to hear that again, man. That's my kind of sheriff. And I want to say, uh, as to the person, we don't know what homeowner, which homeowner shot at him. Um, I guess they think that they did something wrong, which they did not. If somebody's breaking in your house, you're more than welcome to shoot them in Santa Rosa County. We prefer that you do, actually. What about if you never used a gun before, Sheriff? Whoever that was, you're not in trouble. Come see us. We have a gun safety class we put on every other Saturday. And if you take that, you'll shoot a lot better, and hopefully you'll save the taxpayers money. <laughs> That's great. You imagine law enforcement here saying that instead of chastising you, don't use mace. Oh, no, 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 no. Don't, don't. Ladies, don't carry mace on you to protect yourself. Oh, don't carry a gun. You know, United States Supreme Court ruled that the uh, restrictions on carry permits in New York State were unconstitutional, and yet they haven't issued any new carry permits per the requirement of the United States Supreme Court order. That's the Adams administration. That's Governor Crime Wave Holcomb. They are refusing to issue uh, the license to carry. You don't have to worry about the people with a license to carry. you got to worry about the thugs. I mean, you look in Brooklyn, Kings County, the largest of the five counties and the largest district attorney's office. The guy there is Eric Gonzalez. Now, a lot of people would say, oh, well, he's no Alvin Bragg. He's not like Yvette Clark up in the Bronx. He's a turn-em-loose DAs. He is, too. You get caught with a 9 millimeter fully loaded in Brooklyn. You go to a diversion program. You don't get arrested and go to J-A-I-L or Rikers and get remanded there without bail. No, 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 no. You go to a diversion program once a week in Red Hook. You sit down with a counselor for an hour. You cross your heart. You hope to die. And you say, I'll never carry a, a gun, a loaded gun, a 9 millimeter with clips ever, ever, ever again. I promise, I promise, I promise, I promise. And you know something? After four sessions uh, that we pay for uh, the guy walks free, he goes to hang out with his homies in the hood, he's a hero, and he's saying, I can't believe it, I got I got clipped by the NYPD, another undercover unit or uniformed unit in a squad car, and I thought for sure I'm looking at two or more years. Nope. If it's in Kings County, it's a diversionary program. Now, that was Santa Rosa County. I want you to hear in Polk County, Florida, what Sheriff uh, Grady Judge has in store for any cretins with chromosome damage. I would tell them if you value your life, you probably shouldn't do that in Polk County because the people of Polk County like guns. They have guns. I encourage them to own guns. And they're going to be in their homes tonight with their guns loaded. And if you try to break into their homes to steal, to set fires, I'm highly recommending they blow you back out of the house with their guns. 
So leave the community alone. <laughs> oh, that is so refreshing. That's like when you've been knocked out and they put smelling salts underneath your nose, you know, to revive you. It's like, wow, there really is an America out there. Could I hear it again from the Polk County Sheriff, Grady Judge, defending citizens, teaching them to fight back and encouraging them to blast away any thugs or thugettes who come illegally through your door? I would tell them if you value your life, you probably shouldn't do that in Polk County. Because the people of Polk County like guns, they have guns, I encourage them to own guns, and they're going to be in their homes tonight with their guns loaded. And if you try to break into their homes to steal, to set fires, I'm highly recommending they blow you back out of the house with their guns. (laughs) So leave the community alone. And then in Bevard County, the sheriff, he comes on TV once a week and he plays Wheel of Fugitives. He doesn't have a Vanna White, but he spins the wheel, and it always falls on somebody's name who's wanted by Johnny Law. Okay, folks, Jesse Owen Curtis. Mr. Curtis is a white male, date of birth 4-7 of 87. His charges are fated to appear for hearing reference burglar of a dwelling, grand theft from a dwelling. He's got no bond. His last known location is the Palm Bay area. Now, Mr. Curtis, I'm not holding out a lot of hope for this because you've already failed to appear on your court date. So I'm just going to say this. You're either going out to the Brevard County Jail and turn yourself in, or we're going to come crash in your door wherever you're at, cuff you, stuff you in the car, and then take you out of the jail anyway. So go do the right thing. Go show the judge you're ready to get this chapter of your life behind you and stop messing up, stop making mistakes. If not, you know what happened. If not, you know what happened. They will fire you up full of buckshot. Anyway, our number is 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to uh, Bernie on Staten Island. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Bernie. Uh, 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 hi, Curtis. I'm glad you're, mar- you're born on Osborne Street near Hegeman. I'm Bernie. I was born on Osborne Street with, with between Belmont and Sutter. But anyhow, that's not why I called you. Uh, about Wyatt Earp. Wyatt Earp was a famous uh, lawman, but he was married in his, in his, I forget how old he was. He was married to a Jewish woman named Marcus. I don't remember her first name. Her last name was Marcus. She was born in New York City to an Orthodox Jewish family, but she wanted an adventure when she, she went out west and she became the the mistress of Wyatt Earp. They were together until Earp died in 1929. They went through thick and thin together, and I think think she was the common-law wife of Wyatt Earp. Uh, When Wyatt died in 1929, he and his wife, her name was, uh, I forget, her last name was Marcus. I can't, can't remember her first name. They lived in Los Angeles. Uh, Wyatt, in the 1920s, when he was an older man, he became the consultant to the movie studios. In that time, the movie studios wanted actors who could play cowboys. They were silent, the movies. And Wyatt Earp was hired as a consultant by the studios to teach the actors how to be cowboys. They were actors. They weren't cowboys. 
why it was uh, hired to teach them how to be cowboys, how to ride horses, how to draw guns, etc., etc. Wyatt and uh, his wife, Marcus, were together for some 50 years together. There's some famous pictures of them when they were quite old in Los Angeles. Now, let me let me ask you one question here. You've given a, a great uh, biography of Wyatt Earp, but I'm wondering. The one thing I knew about Wyatt Earp was he came out of uh, Wichita, Kansas. But I right. believe that his wife had opened up a whorehouse, a brothel. I don't know if it was the same woman. Uh, are you aware of that? I heard about that. I'm not sure if it was the same woman, but the pictures of Wyatt Earp later on show him and his common-law wife, her name was Marcus, on the porch of their house. They had a small house in Los Angeles. Wyatt died in 1929, and when he died, uh, there was a plot open for the Jewish cemetery for her family. So since he was her husband, he was buried in the Jewish cemetery next to his wife. His wife died in 1944, but she wrote a famous book, which you can still get today. It's on Amazon and other places. It's called I Married Wyatt Earp. When she died in 1944, she was buried in the Jewish in her family's plot in the Jewish cemetery next to Wyatt. They were their graves are side by side. Well, now that that that, that, that that's a great story there, but it reminds me of a sad story, and I've talked about it before here on these very airwaves. The fifty thousand pound for watts of sound, the most powerful news talk station in the nation. At this hour of the morning, reaching 38 states, parts of Canada, a sliver of Europe, and right on down to Davy Jones's locker between Bermuda and Bahamas. And remember, with your app, you can hear it crystal clear in your iPhone or smartphone anywhere in the world. The streaming audio on your laptop or the streaming audio on your worktop computer, crystal clear anywhere in the world. But the story of Harry Houdini. It really saddened me because his wife fell in love with him and they had a whirlwind romance as he was performing uh, over the European continent, the North American continent. Unfortunately, he had an appendicitis attack, I believe it was. I'm not quite sure. And one of his stunts was he would ask you to sort of punch him in the stomach and he would tense up so he wouldn't feel it and... Some guy had punched him before he had tensed up. He already had. I believe it was an aggravated appendix, and that caused an appendicitis attack. He still performed that night. I believe it was in Milwaukee, went to the hotel, uh, then took a train back, uh, was going back to New York and passed away. I'm pretty sure of those facts. And as you know, he is buried... uh, There is the constant uh, arguments of where he's buried... Some say he's buried uh, behind Franklin K. Lane High School. The acronym stands for Fun Kicks, Laughs, and No Education. 
in uh, a number of those Jewish cemeteries right in the rear of Franklin K. Lane. Others say, oh, no, 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 no. It's more closer to Woodhaven Boulevard. He's buried in one of those Jewish cemeteries right near St. John's Cemetery, where my own grandfather, grandmother, and some of my aunts and uncles are buried within a stone's throw of John Gotti Sr. and some of the Gotti clan. Oh, man. Does not make for a lot of friends when we happen to be visiting grave sites uh, at the same time on the same days of holidays. Ho, 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 ho. Uh, hmm. Yeah. Let me leave it at that. Wow. Saying to myself, this tooth is ready to fly out. I'm telling you, Broadway Billy, I just caught it before it flew out. And I think I'm going to get a little crazy glue during one of the breaks and try to solder it back in. Because I know what's going to happen. When that tooth flies out completely and that root is exposed, the Ah! pain will be so Ah! incredible. Ah! And I know that'll make Avery's day that'll thread it all that Judas. Ah! Well, now all of a sudden is uh, being wine-dined and pocket-lined by James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurley, who's playing the race card, claiming that he should have the right to have any brothers or sisters working here at WABC working for him because of the melanin content of his skin. one 800 That's one 800 wabc Man, the exodus to Florida is continuing fast and furiously, even though the quality... The cost of living is skyrocketing down there. The cost of property, the cost of getting uh, home insurance, especially if there's flooding or hurricanes, just at the overall cost of everything is just skyrocketing down there. And still people want to go to DeSantis land, Freedom land. They want to go to Florida from upside this way. Let's go to John, who's calling from Nevada. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, John. Hey, Curtis. Uh, last week, my best friend down in Mooresville, North Carolina, right outside Charlotte, went to the convenience store at night, and a guy jumped out with a knife, stabbed him in the head, and tried to rob him. The guy wasn't too smart. He didn't see that my friend was carrying his gun, and my friend shot him two times with a forty-five and killed him. We're trying to get my friend Mark Ramley to run for uh Run for town council. Would you endorse him? Oh, I, I need to know a little bit more about him. Where is he from originally, uh, John? He's originally from Woodbridge, Virginia, just south of Washington, D.C. All right, so uh, he was born and raised there. What brought him to North Carolina? He got a job as a uh, vice president of a Wells Fargo bank branch. Oh, okay. So that's a white-collar job. That's upper echelon job. Uh, he used to run his own dump truck company, LGH. Let's get high trucking. Oh, okay. All right. So he is an accomplished businessman and executive. And what were the circumstances, again, of him being accosted? Well, he's coming out of a convenience store, and a guy with a knife comes up and demands his money. And when Mark wouldn't give him the money, he stabbed him in the head. 
So he stabs your friend in the head, and then what does your friend do? He pulled out his gun and shot him two times. So that's two times. Okay. And I'm assuming he blew this guy into the hereafter. Yeah, the guy died instantly. And because it's North Carolina, he got into no trouble. No, they all love him. You know, if that was here in Manhattan with uh, Turn Him Loose Alvin Bragg, your friend would be on Rikers Island as we speak there, uh, awaiting trial in which uh, Alvin Bragg would probably charge him with first-degree premeditated murder. Yeah, Bragg's no good. Oh, no, you're going to see that when uh, Congressman Jordan brings the Judicial Committee from the House here for hearings to the Jacob Javits Center. He offered Alvin Bragg an opportunity to come and testify. Alvin Bragg said, no, no, uh, but it's good you're coming into New York City because we don't have crime here. (laughs) Now, John, where is your friend now? Uh, Mooresville, North Carolina. Right outside of Lake Norman. All right, and has anybody hassled him or given him a hard time since he blew that varmint away? No, most of the people down there don't like criminals. <laughs> and what kind of gun did he have? I believe he had a Glock, Glock 45. A Glock for a boy, I could put a nasty hole in you, man. Oh, my God, that guy must have bled out all over that parking lot. Yeah, it wasn't too smart. Did he uh, recover from the wound? The guy had stabbed him in the head. He's going to have a scar the rest of his life. Well, I will tell you, there was something similar that happened here on Wednesday night, just a few blocks from our studios here on 3rd Avenue and 61st Street. It's a juice bar. Uh, and a guy was uh, taking care of customers behind the counter. A woman comes in, crazed, emotionally disturbed, not in control of her mental uh, faculties. And she picks up a knife that's on the counter and she starts stabbing him in the head, in the neck, in the shoulders. He's bleeding out. Luckily, they got him to the hospital in time. She runs. She flees up uh, 3rd Avenue uh, going north of 61st Street. Still no arrest. The owner-operator comes down, and he says, look, this is the third time this has happened in the past year. That's it. I'm locking up. Uh, I'm just paying off the lease, and I'm getting the hell out of here. I'm going to, I think he said, North Carolina. Hmm. Yeah, so he's coming down there to open up a juice bar. And this time, he'll probably have a gun right behind the counter where... In the South, it's expected. Whereas in the North, people like Alvin Bragg, who uh, who is uh, the turn them loose of our lifetime, it's like turn them loose Bruce used to be, uh, the judge who would cut loose criminals at will. Now, uh, Alvin Bragg has inherited his title. It's turn them loose, Alvin Bragg. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. This is Another Side of Midnight with Curtis Lewa. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa.
classic. Had to be one of the greatest TV shows of all time. The Honeymoon is a very simple set. I think it was based on uh, an apartment uh, in a tenement in Bensonhurst. And you know the rest of the story. Ralph Cramden, who was the uh, bus driver, Art Carney, uh, was Ed Norton. By the way, what was his title? What did Ed Norton like to be considered? He was like a uh, artsy-fartsy-fancy title to be in a sewer worker. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And what's interesting because it was a simple premise, so well done. You had uh, Alice, the wife, who I believe was Audrey Meadows' sister, Jane Meadows. But she wasn't the first Alice. No, no, no. She wasn't the first Alice Cramden. Who was the first Alice Cramden, and why was she no longer on the show? Because she didn't die. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. See if this stimulates your medulla and cerebellum and gets you to cough up the Curtis Sliwa trivia questions that I'm throwing out to you fast and furiously now. What was the title that Ed Norton, a.k.a. Art Carney, went by? In the Honeymooners show. Uh, by the way, I'll give you the acronym U-S-E. U-S-E. Sounds like a college, right? Like U-S-C. U-S-E. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Now, that goes way back to when you had the Dumont Network. Yeah, it was a competing network. You had CBS, you had ABC, you had NBC, and you had the Dumont Network. And you had the Dumont TVs. I remember uh, it was my um, Uncle Ralphie and Aunt Sylvia. And by the way, I never knew that my Aunt Sylvia was Jewish. I just assumed that my two cousins, my male cousins, uh, Joey Bianchino and Lenny Beans Bianchino, uh, were Roman Catholics because it was my Uncle Ralphie, right? And then uh, all of a sudden I was introduced to... uh, the twin, uh, their twin sisters, Rebecca and Loretta. And I kind of knew, wait a second, uh, those aren't Italian names, Rebecca and Loretta. That sounds a little Jewish to me, a little Levy's Jewish rye bread to me. And then uh, my Aunt Sylvia, she was cleaning off the counter after giving us breakfast, and all of a sudden I saw hanging out of her blouse the Star of David. The Ben Hurst sign. And I thought, oh, my God, I'm going to be excommunicated. The flying nun is going to pop down here, you know, with the uh, the habit going in a million different directions. And I'm going to be kicked out of the Roman Catholic Church. Uh, it, You see, my Uncle Ralph had married Aunt Sylvia, who had gone to Thomas Jefferson High School on Pennsylvania Avenue. At one time, worked at Midnight Roses uh, uh, at the counter. She used to serve up uh, salted, rotted pretzels and egg creams without the eggs. And, boy, that was the place that Murder Incorporated would meet uh, meet up. Lepke, Gura, all that crew. And the Italians would subcontract their hits to Murder Incorporated because the Jews were considered the toughest of the tough. 
But the reason I play that Honeymooners theme song is because eventually Jackie Gleason and Art Carney and their crew, they go down to Miami Beach and they did the weekly variety show from, I think, the Miami Convention Center. And they were really showcasing uh, Miami, Miami Beach. And at the end of the show, Jackie Gleason and Art Carney and uh, the other characters, the June Taylor dancers, I think there were four or five of them would would, uh, you know, throw kisses out to the crowd and then say, come on down, come on down to Miami Beach. And boy, did they come. At least members of my family did. I remember my Aunt Lucy and uh, my Uncle Jimmy Scavone, they came down with their son, my cousin Joey. They settled in North Miami Beach, went down Collins Boulevard, down to Wolfie's. I remember when I was visiting one summer, well, with 99 cents, we got eggs, pancakes, we got everything, toast, you name it, milk. I got milk, they got coffee, coffee, and another cup of coffee. And my Aunt Lucy said, boy, that's, that's really weak coffee, Jimmy. And Jimmy would say, what do you expect for 99 cents, huh? Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Then I had other relatives who moved up to uh, Lake Park, which I think was right outside of Orlando. Then I was a mass exodus back then. In the late 60s, early 70s, a million people left New York City. And most of them from the Bronx, which was burning down. A lot of them went to Miami. A lot of them remember the call to Miami, the call to Florida by, by Jackie Gleason. Come on down to Miami Beach. And then you had, what, Jim Richards there for Tropicana Orange Juice telling, come on down by Northeast Airlines or Eastern Airlines. You know, take it, uh, take the flights right out of JFK or uh, LaGuardia. Oh, I can remember like it was yesterday. And, of course, the Tropicana Queen herself, Anita Bryan, who ended up getting into trouble because she wouldn't accept gays and lesbians as equals. I forget exactly how she referred to them, but... She ended up getting scrubbed as the spokeswoman for Tropicana Orange Juice. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. But again, who, uh, who was the first Alice Cramden? And why is it you didn't see her any longer? What, what fake, phony, fraudulent, fugazi excuse did they give? And the other thing is, what was the uh, title that Art Carney, uh, a.k.a. Ed Norton, the uh, sewer guy, had uh, when he would make reference to himself? He would do it by an acronym that started with U, went to S, and then ended with E. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to JP, who's calling from Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, JP. How you doing there, Curtis? Long time listener. You're a hard guy to get to, but I waited three hours. So uh, thank you for taking my call. Well, I mean, I've been soliciting calls all morning long. Why Why should you thank me? I should be thanking you for staying on the freaking phone for three hours. You're right. You're right about that. Well, my first thing I wanted to talk to you about was about three hours ago, you were asking about in the village somebody with a hat on, and I think it was Frank Serpico. It was the Serpico movie. So that was one of the first things I had to 
Right. So now, uh, when uh, were you referring to when he was going undercover as a Hasidic Jew to make drug busts? That and when he met the commissioner, he wore that hat. Mm. Yes. Oh, okay. And he and he lived in the village, and he had that sheepdog. Yep. And so, is, is that what the answer that you wanted? Yeah. Well, I kind of forget the question, so I'm going to give you credit. <laughs> I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you extra credit for that. I don't. I don't know where my mind is. Uh, it's like it's up. You see, I have an obsession, JP. I can't wait to get into the next hour because I am so gonna cold bust Avery, that traitor, that that Judas, who now wants to jump ship and work with James Golden, aka Bo Snurdly, simply because it's a black thing. Well, you know how they say sauce each his own? Yeah, no, no, no. But that that ain't right. That ain't right. We built him up, and now all of a sudden he's going to jump ship. I agree with you. I agree with you. Nobody's loyal no more. Those days are over. No loyalty. And by the way, if he leaves and goes exclusively with Post Nerdly, a.k.a. James Golden, who'll probably be crowing from 7 to 10. So if you get a chance, if you stay up to the break of dawn, call him and bust his stones and say, keep your hands off for Avery. Leave him with Curtis and Broadway Billy. Because if Avery leaves, if he takes Avery, that's it. It's just me and Broadway Bill Lee, JP. Right, right. Another thing I wanted to discuss with you was I worked in a cancer hospital for 40 years, Curtis. So I've, I've seen a lot in my time. I'm, I'm, I'm 72 years old, so we're at familiar ages. And when you talk about a lot of stuff, I've tried to get through, but I've never been able to get through, you know, about the all your stuff about Saturday Night Fever and 86th Street and Jan. Do you remember Jan's ice cream parlor when they used to have the kitchen sink? Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> right there, right Lenny's, right Lenny's Pizzeria that closed. Oh, God. Then they had the, right, they had the, the Nebraska Diner that closed. They had Lenny's, as you mentioned, the Pizzeria. I was there for the final night. I reported on WABC. I think we I got... Know, I, I remember, you, I remember you were talking about that you that you were going that night to go there for their closing. Right, got eighty six thousand hits on the Instagram for doing that. Wow. People were so interested in going there. Then they they just closed this other bagel joint. I forget the name of it. The bagel bending joint right there on eighty six two, where across the street from the old Nathan's. They used to have the Nathan's uh, on eighty six on your way to Bay Ridge. So many of these uh, iconic locations that were so important yeah. to all of us are closing left, right, and every which way. Did you remember the Rollerama ring? Yes. On, on 86th Street, where they used to have a, a, a disco night, and they used to have wrestling. I used to go see Bruno San Martino there, and... Uh, that was what a great place there. And, oh, and, you you remember seeing the great Bruno Sammartino there, who used to yeah. talk. He Antonio used to, Rocker. Yeah, you oh. know, I used to see all those, you know, all, all those spaghetti western fighters. I got to tell you, you know, he would talk. Bruno Sammartino would talk into the microphone, and uh, Vince McMahon Senior would say say a few words to your countrymen. 
and Bruno would speak in Italian, and the Italians would pack the buses and come to Madison Square Garden and the Boston Garden. He used to play. He used to wrestle before packed houses. Most of them were Italians. Right, for sure. What was he? Was he a bruisey, uh, Bruno Sammartino? What was he? Not totally sure. My grandfather understood what he was uh, saying. He obviously uh, spoke right, bares. Right. But he loved him, especially when he put his opponents in the Sicilian backbreaker, and they would and they would submit. They would submit. They would tap out. And who is the black guy? His name is Coco something. Oh, uh, Bobo uh, Brazil. Remember Bobo, Bobo Brazil? Brazil? Yeah. Oh, Bobo yeah, Brazil right. would give you the headbutt. Bang! Right. <laughs> That's it. You were out. They would count you out. Oh, wait a yeah. second. Here it is. Yeah, burn, baby, burn. Yeah, to the break of dawn. Ain't nobody going to sleep on me, JP. That's for sure. You know, not far from that roller rink on 86 was Pastel's 2001 Odyssey. Oh, you know, you know, you tell the story about 2001. I think that movie was made about me and my friends because we used to do the same exact thing. We used to have one car, and whoever got lucky got to use the car. <laughs> and, then they, and then they would bang on the windows. Come on, come on! Not you finished yet? You know we want to use the car. <laughs> yeah, and then you drive over to Plum Beach on the Bell Parkway, and you got lucky. Right now, you know what used to happen with us is we we would see these girls, and years ago, I don't like to say this, but you know we never left home without lewds. We always had ludes. Back in the day, it was quaaludes. Oh, you know, yeah. My God. Quaalude it, queens. It, was, it, it wasn't a, like rupees, but it was what we used to call them as leg openers. You know, open wide for Chucky. You know. <laughs> There's <laughs> and we, no and we, doubt. Just as Bill Cosby about that. Just remember, Bill Cosby used to feed the women that he was with. The roofies. Man, man, I'm telling yeah, but you. Not, but not the The quadrupeds was a little different, you know. But the main reason I called was with the cancer thing. You know, I heard your, your gentleman earlier, and I took care of quite a bit of many, many, many uh, famous people, especially your paisan. Who's on your radio station, Rudy Giuliani? Yes, was a was a sweetheart when I took care of him. Hmm. I could tell you some guys that weren't, but I don't want to get into you know that. What do you but, mean? What do you mean? No, we want to know about these jadrules. We want to know about the Gavons. Uh, the Gavon, the worst guy I ever took care of, and he might you might like him, but he was so miserable. Was Jerry Orbach. Wow, Jerry Orbach. So he wasn't a you nice know, guy Jerry to take Orbach, care of? He was, he, was, he was in Dirty Dancing. He was in all the, uh, you know, Law and Orders. And he was, he was ducking under the table when the boys from the Colombo crime family came into Umberto's and started to shoot up Crazy Joe Gallo on his birthday. Yeah, I know. I know that story very well because... I actually, I actually was from that area. I grew up in that area at a very young age. Elizabeth and Kenmere. 
Oh, yeah. That, what, what are you doing, man? The hell was that? What was that, stop and go? You can't do that. Oh, no, the tramps. During that campaign that I was running for mayor, when Comrade Bill de Blasio, the part-time mayor, the dope from Park Slope, said, you know, if you get the one shot, Moderna, if you get the one shot, Pfizer, if you get the J&J shot, you can take your mask off. Remember, he said in August of 2021. So what did we do? We closed down the block next to WABC. And we said, hey, no mask, no mask day. It's the no mask equinox. And then all of a sudden, two guys who were very key to the campaign at that point. Oh, man. <laughs> there was ha, Vito and Todd. And they went out to Philly. And they brought in the original tramps. All of them. The original tramps. Boy, you should have seen the people up and down the block on 50th Street. They were doing the hustle, the Patty Duke, the bump. Women with women, men with men. What did we care? It was party, party, hardy. Raise the roof. I will never forget came that moment I had to torch all the masks. I had my stickball bat and everybody just slid their mask on. And all of a sudden you had paparazzi, photographers, reporters from all over the world. And they would say, hey, man, you know, we're going live at five. You better torch it up now or you're going to miss your opportunity. And I got to tell you, Broadway, Bill Lee and Avery, you know me. I'm like Lenslice. I don't miss a photo op. So I ended up torching the mask with alcohol, except I poured half the bottle on my arm. And man, I went up like a torch myself. Yeah! But it went global. It went viral. And then that prick, Bill de Blasio, part-time mayor of the dope from Park Slope, said, psych, five days later, and said, put your mask back on. Oh, we're going to fine you. Really? Really, de Blasio? How did you smoke your nickel and dime bags with the mask on? Huh? You made a little hole in there when you were walking around the Greenwood Cemetery with Charlene, your wife, who took a one and a half billion dollars for a fake, phony, fraudulent program called Thrive that was supposed to help the emotionally disturbed persons. Where is that money? Where is it? Cayman Islands, Antigua, Swiss bank account, Panama bank account. Man, he needs to be investigated. Jim Jordan, you're coming in with your judicial committee on Monday at the Jacob Javits Center. Investigate the de Blasios. Investigate them now. Another side of midnight. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa. The Exodus, the Florida continues. 10,000 alone from New York City in the last month, tens of thousands from Buffalo to Brooklyn. 
from Connecticut, from New Jersey, from Eastern Pennsylvania. And if it isn't Florida, it's Georgia, North Carolina, South Carolina, Virginia, Texas, Tennessee, and parts unknown. Let's go to Chris, who's calling all the way from Kansas. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Chris. Hello, Curtis. It's, I got to say, it's an honor to talk to you, man. I Since I was a kid, I remember seeing you in an interview in the late 70s with the Guardian Angels, and I've always had ad- admiration and respect for you, buddy. So uh, I'm calling to answer your question because Norton was an underground sanitation expert. And you- the reason I know that because my grandfather was a honeymooners fan. <laughs> Yeah, you couldn't be more hopelessly right. You are correct. The acronym U-S-E stood for Underground Sanitation Expert. That's what Art Carney, who played Ed Norton in The Honeymooners, said that he was. Now, where in Kansas are you calling from, Chris? Uh, Wichita. Wichita. Wow. And that's where I said, if you remember, I was talking to that old timer who had grown up in Brownsville, Brooklyn, who lives out in Staten Island now that Wyatt Earp's wife had opened up a brothel. Yeah, that's correct. See that? Well, all roads lead to Wichita. And are you aware that your state is where the first White Castle was opened up? That's correct. It was actually opened up here in Wichita. But there is now no White Castles in all of Kansas. I know that's a that's a shame. <laughs> I mean, figure that out. The first White Castle, and this is blowing people's minds who are listening to this, Chris, who uh, go to White Castles in New York and Connecticut and New Jersey and uh, uh, Philadelphia. They're, they're scratching their heads saying, "What do you mean? It started in Wichita, and there are no White Castles there now, or in Topeka, or anywhere else in Kansas." You have to drive to Oklahoma. <laughs> That's right. And we also also the first Pizza Hut first started in Wichita. Wow. I did not know that. You see, I finally added something else to my lexicon of items that involve Wichita and Topeka, Kansas. By the way, up next, oh man, I'm I'm reading the riot act to Avery. I caught him cheating on me with James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, who will be on in just like two hours from now, from 7 to 10. And I hope some of you callers, you rat me out and you tell him how I was reading his homie, Avery the Riot Act. Check this out. On the weekend, take a journey with the people's mayor. Curtis Lewa is a politician who says don't trust politicians. It's another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa. The iconic, the legendary Curtis Lewa. This city doesn't sleep, and neither does Curtis Lewa. On another side of midnight. Oh, yeah. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa. Sing it, Teddy. Sing it. All the things that we've been through, you should understand me like I understand you. Now, baby, I know the difference. 
between right and wrong I ain't gonna do nothing to upset our happy home Sing it, Ted. Hell no. Sing it, Teddy. We all got our own funny moves. I've got mine. Woman, you got yours too. But a great love jam. Just trust in me. Like I trust in you. As long as we've been together, that should be so easy to do. To think that a man could be a woman. It just goes against everything that we are taught. Now, I understand, and I have a great deal of empathy. And I, I say this every time I have to deal with this topic. So low of Bo Snurdly to be talking about transgenders when we're playing Teddy Pendergast. I've told this story before. Out in the main line outside of Philly, he's driving his brand new Silver Benz. What appeared to be a drop dead gorgeous woman next to him, as he always had. Remember, women would throw teddy bears up on the stage. Teddy, teddy, teddy. They'd take their bloomers off, they'd take their panties off and throw it on stage. Teddy Pendergast could have any woman that he desired in the world. And instead, he lost control of that silver bends and it wrapped around a telephone pole. And Teddy was never the same thereafter. He was paralyzed. It is indefensible to think that a man could be a woman. Well, it turned out that that drop-dead gorgeous woman was a transgender with the full package with a crotch. I was walking around and everyone was staring and I was like, oh, okay, what's going on? And they were all staring directly at my crotch. 
And I went, oh, I forgot that my crotch doesn't look like other women's crotches sometimes because mine doesn't look like a little Barbie pocket. Our own funny Peekaboo, I see you. I've got mine. What, a jack-in-the-box? Woman, you got yours too. Say it ain't so, Teddy. Just trust in me. Say it ain't so, Teddy. Like I got trust in you. As long as we've been together. That should be so easy to do. Just get yourself together. Oh, it might as well say goodbye. What good is a love affair when we can't see out of eye? Oh. How can you, you do that? How can you do that, Teddy? Screaming front page headlines, the Philadelphia Daily News. Teddy and transgender. Oy vey, oy vey, oy and vey. I just I don't care about this Budweiser stuff. I don't care what beer you drink, beer whatever drink whatever beer you want to drink. Oh god. You know, Teddy uh, was impaired. He was in the wheelchair for the rest of his life paralyzed because of that terrible traffic accident which his uh, silver bands was wrapped around that telephone pole uh, out in the main line area man lucky he didn't meet that tiktok woman oh god boy she'd have read that philadelphia daily news that front page headline teddy and transgender in fender bender wow that would have been rough stuff Women who have to make a horrifying decision of their life versus the fetus. Most of the time, it's a clump of cells. Cells. So women get to relive their sexual assaults for life or are tied to their assailant. I think I understand why he was with a transgender. Imagine if you were with a woman like that, the TikTok woman. I think, Avery, you'd be thinking twice, too. Which leads us into this traitorous tirade that Avery is involved in now, backstabbing me every step of the way. It happened on one afternoon, uh, Bo Snurdly, a.k.a. James Golden, was short, a phone screener, and immediately Avery, like, volunteered, I'll do it, I'll do it, brother to brother, oh, so I say, oh, well, that's good. Good teamwork. He's jumping in, you know. That's what we want, us and we, not I and me here at WABC. But it turned out it wasn't for the team. It was for Avery. Because now all of a sudden, as I listen more and more to James Golden, I hear, wow, Avery's there again today. Avery's there again today. What, is the phone screener ill? No, he's been moved to another show. Whoa. And let me just give you a little feeling of the new dynamics, the dimension, the sharing, the exchange back and forth between James Golden, who's lobbying to get Avery on his show permanently and stab me in the back. Just play that conversation, uh, please, uh, uh, Broadway Bill Lee. WABC Talk Radio 77, we've got a lot more to cover. We've got your calls. 
Another birthday, Lewis Johnson, we talked about. Avery Al wanted Green. to hear this one. Avery wanted requested this one. Oh, cool. Avery, you got the you 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 feeling it for somebody out there, Avery? I saw him. I saw him going through the Al, the Al Green songs. I was like, yeah, that's the one. That's the one you need to play right there, man. Are you sure you're not like secretly pining for some woman, and that's why you wanted to hear this? Oh no, you can't. You can't dedicate music to a woman over the air. Like that's just. She knows she's winning if you do that. She knows she's winning if you dedicate a song for yeah, her. Yeah, she's like, okay, I'm, I'm about to double down on this guy now. I got him. Well, okay, <laughs> he got it all figured out, Avery. I'm telling you. Al Green's birthday is today. This is Al Green checking us into our break. We're coming back at WABC. Well, don't go away. Well, well. Let's just enjoy it all. Well, well, well. You know, Avery, if you don't, if you don't mind your P's and Q's and you keep cheating on me this way with James Golden, you're going to end up getting the Al Green treatment. Hot grits right in your three-piece set. So it's a cold night, about 3 in the morning. Al Green's wife woke him up and said, What the hell is this smell of perfume doing on your collar of your dress shirt? And Al Green, like all guys, pretended not to know what the hell his wife was talking about. No, 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 you're imagining things, not me. I'm loyal. Baby doll, I'm loyal to you. Do you know me? And here's a woman that never cooked a dish in her life. And she was boiling them grits on that stove. And she had a black belt from Betty Crocker because she could cook to kill. And the next thing Al Green knew, she threw those hot grits right on his three-piece set. And he's never been the same since. So let me warn you, Avery, nighttime producer and phone screener, and remember, creator of the funniest hour in all of radio that you'll be listening to this very time, 24 hours from now, as he rips uh, on Frank Morano, the Mamaluke. Just remember... I'll pull rank. I'll pull rank on James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdy. Remember, Avery, I've been doing this 35 years. And I know what James Golden is up to, Bo Snurdy. He wants you for his own show. I know that. Because he wants all brothers on his show, man. He don't want Diego. He don't want anybody else. He don't want Rich Rider Bali. He wants all brothers. And then he'll be coming for you, Broadway Bill Lee. But he can't have you because you're over at WCBS-FM during the week with your buddy Joe Corsi. But he tried to get you to anything to break up my dominance over James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly. And I can't believe that you're all a part of that, Avery. Hey, you brought back some bad memories with the, with the hot grits, man. 
I, I dodged a couple of hot grits in my life. Yeah, I'll bet you did. Man, when a sister is mad, SWA, sister with attitude. See, white women don't do that. No. They're not as quick as sisters with attitudes. They can't conceive of that. No. But a sister, she don't need a reason to throw hot grits at you. She'd be more than happy to apologize later if she finds out she was wrong. But it's a way of keeping you in check. Yep. Grits first, apologize later. (laughs) Quick with the grits. Oh, yeah. And I'm telling you, after I heard what happened to Al Green, when I go to Waffle House, I would never order grits. Never. Even when it was on sale for 19 cents. You know you don't want to argue when they're making bacon either. Trust me, that's worse. <laughs> bacon grease? Oh, <laughs> man. That's oh. illegal, man. Oh. <laughs> bacon grease or worse yet, when they got that hot curling iron in their hand. As they just put that relaxer in their hair. And it's smelling like, man, I don't know, like burning rubber. See, the one thing with that is they got to be accurate. Like, they got to be like Nolan Ryan with the thing. Cause it's, but with the grease and the grits, they can cast like a wide net. And <laughs> <laughs> a, hot, a hot grease net and a, hot, and a hot grit net, and you can't get away from it. And they let you go to sleep first. You see, you go to sleep and you figure like, wow, got away with that one, right? And then all of a sudden, guess what? Psych. That's crazy. I, 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 that never happened. You got to settle that before you go to sleep. You're too vulnerable in your sleep. <laughs> if, a, if a chick going to hit you with the grits in your sleep, that's like a psycho. <laughs> what, what can you do? Now, you give them every reason to go psycho on you. Yeah. And you think, oh, I convinced her that that, that perfume on the collar of my dress shirt was not a lady's perfume, but it was some guy at work using high karate or Old Spice, right? Yeah. I mean, either way, I need a resolution before I go to sleep. I got to know where you stand, chick. <laughs> so I know if I can you sleep, better, I sleep. You better sleep standing yeah, up. Yeah, sleep standing up. If I got to sleep standing in, in the bathtub or something. But let me ask all of my listeners here. Should I take retaliatory action now that most nerdly, a.k.a. James Golden, is trying to poach Avery from our show? He is making a move on the owners and operators and the suits to get Avery permanently transferred to the daytime so he can be the personal producer and personal phone screener for the brother from another planet, James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly. Another birthday, Lewis Johnson, we talked about. Avery wanted to hear this one. Avery wanted requested this one. Yeah, Avery did. Huh? Oh, cool. Cool, Avery. Avery, you got the you 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 feeling it for somebody out there, Avery? I saw him. I saw him going through the Al, the Al Green songs. I was like, yeah, that's the one. That's the one you need to play right there, man. Are you sure you're not like secretly pining for some woman, and that's why you wanted to hear this? Oh no, you can't. You can't dedicate music to a woman over the air. Like that's just. And she, she knows she's winning if you do that. She knows she's winning if you dedicate a song for yeah, her. Yeah, she's like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm about to double down on this guy now. I, I got him. Oh, okay, <laughs> he got it all figured out, Avery. I'm telling you. 
Al Green's birthday is today. This is Al Green taking us into our break. We're coming back. At yeah, they, they they like Avery, see? See, they, they, they're buttering you up, Avery. They say, oh, yeah, Avery got it on. Yeah, Avery. Everything is Avery, Avery, Avery now with James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurley, and he's trying to pilfer him. He's trying to procure him from this show to the afternoon show. I know he's been meeting with the suits. He's been meeting with the muckety mucks, the mockers, trying to do play that black card. Oh, no, that don't work on me, James Golden. It's going to be on from 7 to 10. Let's go to Raphael, who's calling from Newark. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Raphael. Good morning, Mr. Sewer. Well, it's not a good morning. Not a good morning, man. Uh, they're trying to snatch Avery right out of the seat that he's sitting in right now from me. Yeah, I, I noticed that. I hear that. Hey, uh, I think he's. Uh, I think he's trying to snatch up all the real estate like you do sometimes. Hmm. But you see, I don't have the black card to play. He's he's doing this affirmative action routine like, yo, man, you, you can't do this to me. I used to be the producer. I used to be the phone screener for the greatest uh, talk radio host in the history, coast to coast, Rush Limbaugh. He's playing all that. Yeah, I don't know. I think he's trying to get all the real estate like you. Raphael, could you mention that the big picture? Could you offer some advice to Avery? He's listening right now as to what he should do. Uh, hey, I think he's good with both you, with both you guys. <laughs> to be honest, yeah, but he's got to make a choice. It's come down to one. It's either one or the other, Raphael. It, it ain't going no further uh, yeah, after I today. Hear, I hear you. I think he's got to stay. He's got to be loyal. That's right, loyalty. Do you know how to spell that, Avery? L O Y. Uh, see, I forgot how to spell that. Anyway, L O Y A L T Y. You see what happens, Raphael? A guy like James Colden comes around and whispers sweet things in Avery's ear, like, you know, sleeper doesn't treat you right. You know, look, look, man, you could be my musical talent coordinator. Picking people like Al Green, who ended up getting hot grits in their three-piece set. Raphael, I got to tell you, you need... you need to advise this brother. And uh, for me, I, in this business, loyalty, unfortunately, is a scarce commodity. Can I hear that again so that Avery, clean the wax out of your ears first? this business, loyalty, unfortunately, is a scarce commodity. Did you hear that? Just no, Avery. When nobody wanted you, when everybody said, now, nah, we don't want this guy, Avery. Not at all. I say, I'll take them. My loyalty to this nation, its people, and the Constitution hasn't changed and will never change as long as I have a breath to give. That's the attitude you should have, Avery. Loyalty to the day you die. When you were out there sitting out there in the office and you were filling out that application to see if you could get a job here at WABC, and they were looking at you and saying, no, no, the end's all full. We got, we got all that we needed. I said, what are you talking about, man? Give this guy an opportunity. I said, look, I only got Broadway Bill Lee and me at night. You know, we, 
we deal with the, the smallest number of people doing a show here, and yet we get the best ratings per capita, per person, per personnel. And so they said, well, yeah, Avery, Avery can be your nighttime producer and phone screener. Do you remember that, Avery, when you were sitting out there and nobody wanted to talk to you, nobody wanted to give you the time of day? Basically, they wanted you to go, to we- go away. You remember that, Avery? Man, how quickly they forget. Look at look how quiet he is. You know Broadway Billy, he probably made a deal behind my back with James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurley. Well, now it's either makeup or breakup. It's either makeup or breakup. Ain't going no further with this. Treachery. A man, a man stands alone at a place. This is the time for what? For individual achievement, there he stands alone. But in the field, what? Part of a team. Looks, throws, catches, hustles, part of one big team. Bats himself to live long day. Babe Ruth, Ty Cobb, and so on. (laughs) If his team don't field, what is he? You follow me? No one. Sunny Day stands up full of fans. What does he have to say? I'm going out there for myself. (laughs) But I get nowhere unless the team wins. Team. Jesus Christ. You hear that, Avery? The team. The team. He played the whole scene, huh? (laughs) You know how you know how I roll. James Golden Soft. He tells you the story. He went to Jackson High School, Southeast Queens. Tough high school. But he says he was the Urkel there. And, in fact, they had only one white kid in the whole school, all African-American. They all picked on him. They didn't even pick on the white boy. He was Urkel. He had no street cred. Now, Avery, you know, it comes down to that. I'm going to do a De Niro on you, no doubt about that. No loyalty. Broadway, Billy, you know what it is. It's loyalty. You've been loyal to WCBS-FM 44 years, side-by-side with Joe Causey, and then coming over here on the weekends, leaving his very dear friend, Warner Wolf, down in Lee County at that condo, you know, that he's got side-by-side with him while they play shuffleboard all through the years. Let's go to the videotape. All because he understood he was on a mission. And, Avery, I thought you were on that same mission. And I said, no, we're not going to call you a telephone talent coordinator like Frank Morano, who used to humiliate you and degrade you and make fun of you and criticize you. I said, no, a thousand times no. We're going to elevate you. We're going to give you a spot of your own, a full hour, the funniest hour in all the radio. And what kind of respect do I get in return? Nothing. You you playing that brother that brother card on me. Yo, yo, James is a brother. You know, brothers got to help one another. 
Telling me I, I can forget that 40 acres in a mule. Oh. I want my money back. Oh. He's implying that he would rather work with James Golden. And he says, oh, because that's, that's in the afternoon. It's a lot easier on his mind. And I will fix him if it's the last thing I do. What a traditor. What a Judas. And then, you know, James Golden, always smiley. Oh, I didn't know. Did Avery work on your ship? I didn't know that. Yeah, throw him out. Throw him out. Right on his tuchus. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to give advice to Avery. Let him know what's in his best interest, whether it's going with uh, James Golden, who's trying to influence him in the negative, or sticking with me, who made him who he is today. 1-800-848-9222. It's another side of midnight. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa. I'm wishing on a star to follow where you are. You're wishing on a star, huh? Following a star to James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurley, stabbing me in the back. Who plays better James than me? And I just, I don't care about this Budweiser stuff. I don't care what beer you drink, beer whatever, drink whatever beer you want to drink. You don't want to drink Bud, don't drink Bud. You want to drink it? Drink it. Who cares? And I was on all the rainbows I was on all the people who What a jam, right? D. James Golden, he's got none of this good stuff. He steals my music. You know that, Broadway Bill Lee. Avery is now feeding him our musical selection list. Oh, yeah, I know that, Avery. Watch, we'll be hearing this song on Monday. He'll be claiming, oh, I went to the concert, you know, 1982, Bull Feathers. Don't even try that. Just think of all the moments that we spent. I just can't let you go for me. You were meant, and I didn't mean to hurt you. Listen to the words, Avery. Whether or never, I feel it's time we should make up, baby. I feel it's time for us to get back together and make the best of things, oh baby. 
Bo Snurdy ain't got it like this. He yearns to have the musical selection that I have. I'm wishing on a star. Yeah, you go wishing on a star, Avery. But remember, stars are white. They're not black. Let's go to Brandon in New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Brandon. Thanks, Curtis. I just wanted to say last weekend when you were doing your radio marathon, that was some of the best radio I've ever heard. Um, as far as Avery, though, I don't think you have to be worried about him. I think he's loyal. Uh, who isn't loyal, though, is Frank Morano on Thursday morning uh, on the Dominic Carter show. He was uh, cracking jokes about you saying that you were going to uh, be talking all 12 hours about the new rats are and how you'd be uh, playing things backwards and looking for hidden messages. I mean, you gave this guy, you know, he started his career and he's taking cheap shots at you. Wow. Now, were you aware of that, Avery, or did Brandon have to do your job for you by adding this into the mix? Were you aware that Frank Morano was taking shots at me at that intro he comes on with Dominic Carter before his show? Oh, now, 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 notice he, he's hesitating, Brandon. You see, because yeah. he's been spending so much time with James Golden. Uh, that's that's technically um, Dominic Carter's show. Oh, oh, so you don't listen, huh? I'm not listening to Frank one minute more than I have to. <laughs> <laughs> I can't night. wait for tomorrow night's show, though. He was uh, unusually uh, funny this week, I, I do have to say. I don't want to step on anything Avery's going to do tomorrow, so I'll just wait patiently. Oh, but... what, what, what? <laughs> you mean you located a funny bone in uh, Frank Morano? Well, no. I mean, he inadvertently, um, you know, causes humor. He, uh, <laughs> he you know, isn't humorous on purpose. So uh, he's sort of like Jerry Lewis. It's sort of a bit slapstick where we make fun of Jerry Lewis. It's like Costanza. We make fun of Frank Morano. I have audio of Lee Zeldin saying that Andrew Cuomo should be president. Man. (laughs) Brad, the Mama Luke is so low budget, though. Oh, absolutely. He... um... Uh, there's no no words for it. Yeah, no words for that, Mama Luke. I'm telling you, you better think twice, Avery, about jumping ship of the good ship SS Sliwa. Let's go to Tony in Manhattan. Uh, your turn to be heard here at WABC, Tony. I remember in 1960s when I came to live downtown 8th Street. And twenty, it was a YMCA in 22nd Street, uh, 23rd Street and, and First Third Avenue, 7th Avenue, McBurney. What do I know? I used to work there. And then in 67, a group, the village people, Puerto Rican, they had that song, YMCA, play it for a while. And this is Tony Melendez from Manhattan, my bad guy. Wow. Hold on. That's how that song came about, Tony? Yeah, the British people, yeah. The guys, they're Puerto Rican. You can see it there. 
You mean the guy who walked around like Cochise and the other guy who looked like... All those guys, Filippo something crew, yeah, from Puerto Rico. His mother used to work in the factory and, well, watch it. Wow. I didn't know that's how it came about. Oh, this is Tony Melendez. I tell you how, man. There's no need to feel down. I said, young man, pick yourself off the ground. I said, young man, cause you're in a new town. There's no need to be unhappy. Now, uh, Tony, did you realize these guys were all gay? Yeah, I know. I remember they, they were. And the funny thing is, that me and my wife was in that church stadium, Yankee Stadium, and uh, they used to do that all day, they sweep in the field. Why am I dancing? <laughs> now, Tony, when they're cleaning up the field and they're playing YMCA, do you think those guys on the field are gay too? You know something? Let me tell you something. I remember that I lost my eyesight at, at age 38 because I was working as a supervisor for Kifu. Now, when I am married 38 years to my beautiful wife from Ecuador, and she became my eyes, but I used to go free to Yankee Stadium and Shea Stadium because I am a motivational speaker. I used to, I am a member of the United States Association for Blind Athletes. Paralympics, and I used to go all around the world doing my sport, and I became famous, and that's why everybody called me, and that's why I am 82 years old, and I know everything about life. Tony, Tony, did you ever get into a situation as a world-renowned blind athlete where you had to reach for the soap on the rope? <laughs> I love it. I love that. That's, listen to me. As, as I was, my wife became my, my manager and my trainer, like you and your beautiful wife, Nancy. And we traveled. I went to Europe. I went to all the continents. And I never lost a competition. And I'm here a motivational speaker now. And I belong to a member of the Olympic Training Center in Colorado. Now, you have remained loyal to the Olympic spirit, Tony, would you give some advice to Avery, who's thinking of leaving our family here overnights and joining up with uh, James Golden? Let me tell you something. If I am going to stay up at night from 11, 12, or 2 or 3 o'clock, because I go to bed early and I get up early, if I go and spend in my gym time to listen I don't listen to nothing but Mr. Curtis Lua, because you were born in Brooklyn. You're going to die in Brooklyn. I was born here in Manhattan. I'm pro Rico. I came to Manhattan. I spent my time, all my life in Manhattan, and you dedicated all your life to your people. And you know how you are friends to the people that love animals, me too. And I, I overcame a lot of limitations and of obstacles in life. So are you. God bless you all. Thank you, Tony Melendez. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. See, Tony, Tony gave you good advice, uh, Avery. But you're not going to take it because you've been bamboozled. You've been mesmerized because 
James Golden has pulled out that black card. He's playing the black card. And it ain't a black platinum card of American Express, I tell you that. Let's go to Oz in New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Oz. How are you doing, Curtis? Listen, first of all, you and Avery, dynamite, dynamite combination. Hysterically funny. I got to say something. Avery is a very talented guy. He's very funny. He's got this innate talent. I don't think you have to worry. First of all, James Golden, the most boring show I've ever heard. I'm sorry. Boring. Okay? So I don't think you really have to worry. But let me tell you something. Remember the Seinfeld episode where George Constanza goes up to Seinfeld and says, listen, I'm worried my girlfriend's going to break up with me? Remember the advice Seinfeld gave him? No. What was it? You got to get hand. You got to get the upper hand. So you know what he does? He tells George Costanza, you break up with her before she breaks up with you. When he tried breaking up with her, she was begging him, please don't break up with me. It's all psychological. Well, let me tell you something. I think it might be a little bit of a, a negotiating tool. I think, uh, but I don't think Avery's going anywhere. And I don't think you have anything to worry about. And, let him, and if he wants to go, let him go. A couple of days, a week the most, he's going to be saying, what the heck did I do? But I don't think you have to worry. You guys are a great combo. Was it all right if I suggested he go right to hell? Yeah, look, you you don't want to you don't want to you don't want to flamethrow him. Okay, I don't think you need to do that. I know, but you I'm taking I'm taking this very personally, Oz. I'm the one who took him out of the waiting room, uh, convinced HR to give him an opportunity at night with me and Broadway Bill Lee, and this is how he repays the both well, of us. Well, you know what? Well, Curtis, it's a compliment to you, okay? Who do you think they're going to – look, everybody wants the best players, all right? And where are they going to go? They're not going to go to Frank. They're going to go to you, Mm. all right? So Mm. it's a compliment. And Avery's a little bit of a neophyte. He's a little bit new in the business. You know, he's he's finally found superstardom on your show. So, you know, James Golden, it's not about Avery, okay? I don't think James Golden really cares about Avery. I think he cares about – Sticking it to you. Play it smart, Curtis. Play it smart. Don't hmm. take it so personally. It's not, listen, it's not personal. It's business. Calm down. Take a deep breath. Avery's not going anywhere. Avery's a smart guy. Yeah, I, want to, I, want, I want to walk you off the ledge. No, no, no. You're making a lot of sense. It's just really. Uh, Bo Snurdly wants revenge on me, and he's doing it by attempting to procure Avery away from this show and use him for his show. Exactly. Exactly. Mm. Let Avery go over there. Let him spend a few nights over there. He'll be coming back. I'm telling you. Avery's a smart guy. He's brilliant. But he's not. He, he's you. Listen, James Golden's not you. You got nothing to worry about. I'm telling you. Boring show. Boring. Nice guy. I'm sure he's a nice guy. Yeah. No, no. I uh, I absolutely agree with uh, with Oz on that. I hope you're learning from this, Avery. These are our loyal listeners. These aren't those fair-weather friends who call up Bo Snurdly, you know, on the fly. They could easily be listening to another station, another program, and call them. Knuckleheads. It's no loyalty. And you need to know what loyalty is about, Avery.
Our number is 1-800-848-9222. It's another side of midnight. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa. Can't touch this, both snurdly and Avery. Can't touch this. It's chaka, chaka, chaka. Chaka, con. Don't burn your bridge, Avery. Don't go out there with a pail of gasoline and light it up with a big lighter. Because you got no way to come back on this side. What's Bo Snurdly going to offer you, right? Going to offer you tickets to some concerts in nowhere, New Jersey, huh? Is that is that what you're selling out for, Avery? So you could be a groupie to groups you don't, you never even heard of that probably were playing music in the 1940s. DJs, Broadway Billy, you need to set it up because I can see that uh, Avery is poaching on my musical uh, vinyl and uh, actually uh, turning it over to uh, Bo Snurdly. Oh, yeah. I notice I'm missing some vinyl in the back room. Take that, Diablo, or whatever the hell his name is. And Rich Roddy Bali, who thinks, oh, that he was a DJ during the disco duck era. He goes, oh, I know all disco. You know nothing about nothing, Rich. No way your corn muffin is buttered. <laughs> oh, that's a new one. No way your corn muffin is buttered. Let me tell you, you're not going to hear this kind of music with the Prince of Staten Island, Vinnie Madunio, coming up five to six. Oh, no. And you're not going to hear Chaka, 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 Chaka Khan with the king of the guys who spin stacks of wax, Cousin Brucie, from six to ten. Although you might hear, you might hear a little Chaka, 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 Chaka Khan with Tony Orlando without Dawn.
from 10 to 12, but then I come back and I do it all over again. And you will hear Chaka Khan. And a lot more. A lot more. I was walking around and everyone was staring. And I was like, oh, okay, what's going on? And they were all staring directly at my crotch. And I went, oh, I forgot that my crotch doesn't look like other women's crotches sometimes because mine doesn't look like a little Barbie pocket. Like a jack-in-the-box. To think that a man could be a woman. It just goes against everything that we are taught. Now, I understand. I see Avery has left the house. Yeah, he should be humiliated. He should be ashamed of himself. Would sell out this show, Broadway Billy. Well, you know, me and you, we did it before on our own. Collectively, we have about 80 years of radio experience. Coming up in an hour at 7. You better have stayed up to the break of dawn. And then you're so wired, you call him up and you give him hell. You tell him he's snatching, he's poaching Avery away. How dare he? If I ever, I mean, if I ever see you here again, you die just like that. I'm to be real, I'm in this feeling. I make my wish upon the side. Just remember... In the words of De Niro, who played Capone with the baseball bat in The Untouchables, it's loyalty, Avery. Because if you're not loyal, the back of your hat is going to end up like a crushed melon. Your turn to choose. Pick your poison, Avery. Because either way, there's going to be a hell of a price to pay. That snake in the grass, both snurdly, trying to steal this asset of this show. We developed him. We gave him a, a platform to broadcast on. And now look at him, Broadway Bill Lee. He wants to run to what he calls the promised land. Because the brother, the brother is playing the black card. You will regret this, Avery. 